Well, we're live. Uh, hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome. Uh, I don't have a cough button. TV confirmed. Episode 14 brought to you in partnership with, actually, I don't know if it's in partnership with, brought to you by Extrify. See, we got it in there. Uh, and uh, on today's show, well, just quickly for those of you playing at home, we are going to be covering off on the recent news that have been happening in the last week. We're going to be looking at Flashpoint. They've announced their groups and uh, what we can expect from that one there. Uh, talking about what's been going on with Blast. We've obviously got Beijing happening in the moment as well. And of course, we have a hot seat guest here today in Cadian. But before I can introduce him, I have to introduce everybody else. Lucas, the producer, how's everything looking? Are there any fires, any emergencies, anybody on speed dial right now? Nope, everything's looking good. Okay, well, that's good. That means we can get this one going. Now, Prof, I know that you're a man of culture, so I have a question for you to kick off today's show. Now, uh, when you're dating or starting to see a significant other, how many months transpire before you lose the shame in leaving uh, skid marks or a bad smell in, in the toilet? Ah... Uh... Good question. I think it happens probably not on purpose too early. I think that's the that's the that's the answer I give. And it still happens, of course. And you still I I don't know. Does it really matter though? Who cares? Okay. Who cares? All right. Uh so who cares? There's no no time frame on that. Whenever you're comfortable uh sharing your shits with your partner. So that's a, that's a good way to look at it here. Um striker. Uh, we want to check in with you and and what's going on in in your part of the world. I see that you were rocking uh you're rocking a, a hoodie type number. Is it cold where you are today? Uh kind of yeah. It's getting cold. It's um six degrees outside or something like that. How do you feel about the cold weather? I'm not a fan. All right, not well, a fan. Uh, South. Yeah, yeah. Come come a little bit. Well, go to Australia. That's pretty hot down there. But let's get that's, this one underway. That's too hot. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good where I am because it's kind of like ups and downs. You know, it's not always hot. It's not always cold. I'm, I'm happy with Brian. Australia has point. like 15 degrees sometimes, so that's yeah, like, that's it, cold, right? It's I, cold in my, in my case. Like in, in my book, that's cold. So. All right. Well, without further ado, let's roll the hot seat bumper and introduce our guest. Hit it, Lucas. And we are back, and we have none other than Casper motherfucking Cadian from Heroic fame. And uh, look, in recent times, Heroic have been topping the charts as far as international Counter-Strike goes, or I suppose European Counter-Strike. I think we have to keep it that way. Cadian, how are you, mate? How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Um, been a bit of a ride for us lately. Uh, not a position that we're very used to, but uh, definitely happy to, to be there and uh, and claim that number one spot hope we can continue thriving there yeah look i, I guess that's where we can keep the conversation off i uh, i didn't even open my dashboard today to control the topic so i'm going to do that real quickly but we can get the conversation rolling uh i, I suppose that climb that has happened if you want to reflect on this year right because there was the whole flashpoint stuff there was uh what was it uh fpx there was that whole drama going on there and, and now you guys have found yourself working hard and coming out as the best team in the world do you want to kind of just reflect for us on what kind of the journey this year has been? Oh yeah, sure. Let's try at least. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it started out with um, us having the, the same roster of 2020 that we ended the 2019 season with, which was uh, me, S-Attack, um, Stown, Snappy and Borup. And we had the Lame as a coach. And at this point, we were still playing uh, fairly well. We only had like one bad event, I think, which was DreamHack Winter. Uh, well, I also 
ESL Pro League wasn't really as we expected. We uh, ended out last after losing to 100 Thieves and Fnatic, but with a pretty tough draw. Um, so basically, I joined Heroic and we had a really good start and we kept that momentum for a good while. Then we ended the 2019 season not that good, but still okay with the epicenter, third to fourth place after losing to Vitality. Um, then in 2020, we had uh, two lane events. One which was DreamHack Leipzig, where we lost in the semi-final to Big, who had just uh, added Susan and uh, Ito. Ito. Yeah, so they were really... I mean, at that point, I knew that they were probably going to be really good soon. So it was not the worst of defeats, but obviously still a DreamHack Open is something you want to win when you play. Then we went to the, um, the next one, um, which was the one in England. What was it called? Yeah, yeah. And we bummed out of groups, lost to Mad Lions and Virtus Pro, who didn't win a game for three months or something. So <laughs> at this point, we knew that uh, something had to happen, basically. Uh, so, yeah, at this point, we started talking about changing up the roles at uh, getting me as IGL, but a lot of things was happening. And yeah, and then we went to the US with the knowledge of having a flashpoint spot for season one. And um, and being signed by FPX, I mean, it was all announced, us standing there in the jerseys, having a real good time. Huh? Um, and yeah, boy, that was a bad situation. I mean, I still remember just sitting up to play the second game of Flashpoint, uh, sitting there warming up with our gear. And then uh, we get a call from uh, our owner of the organization, Eric, and he said like, yeah, Stop playing, like, there's no need. You guys are not going to play. Uh, yeah, pack my shit. Uh, let the four, five other guys take a taxi back to the apartment we went. And I was just walking there solo, just thinking, fuck my life. I just uh, crossed the globe uh, in the middle of uh, a pandemic. And I don't even get to do what I did for, for, for leaving for that place. And yeah. That's, I guess that's uh, the intro of, yeah, the, the, that was a bad part at least, right? Or, was that a turning point though? Because obviously, look, that, that that was a shitty situation. I think everybody can uh, can reconcile that that one right there. But that, did that, because for a lot of people, for that to happen and considering the context that we find ourselves in right now in, in the world, or we did at the time, like a lot of people would have just gone, now nah, fuck this, you know, like, but it, it seemed like you went with the other direction. Was that more motivation for you? Was it, was it? You know, was there a moment where you were like, nah, I don't want to do this anymore, or I want to go in a different direction? Um, I mean, for a second, when standing in the US, I definitely tried to consider my options. Um, I knew we just lost Patrick to Astralis, and uh, yeah, Patrick is ES3 sec, um, for those who, who don't know. But yeah, we, we lost him, and for a second, uh, I was really considering my options. Um, is this the team to stay in? Can we rebuild with this roster? If so, what is the future? Where do we want to go? Um, and also because Patrick is one of the best teammates I've ever had, honestly. Uh, so not only in-game wise, but also outside of the game, we had a really good chemistry. We shared hosted rooms for the majority of the tournaments and so on. Um, but then again, I also realized like I have players such as Stown and Borup along my side, and I think they are great building stones for a good team. And I knew what pieces I wanted and how I wanted to develop the team. I wanted to be the captain. And I was tired of the good stats but losing thing. Like, couldn't really be bothered. Uh, I would rather have a lower rating but win more games. And I felt like we would have a better chance of doing that with me as a captain. So I saw how Tessis had been destroying 
people in flames, albeit at a lower level. I saw him as a really good player. And then Nico, who for a while also said by Snappy was the best player to not play on Astralis back when they were in the old heroic lineup. Um, and he was benched in uptick or immortals. I mean, whatever that ended up being and uh, didn't play, but I knew what he was capable of. And um, if you make sure keep him, keep him right. And yeah, so Tessis and Nico were told the organization, this is what we need to do. And as soon as we got them, bam, we just clicked. And we managed to get a new playstyle, a freshened up playstyle with more talent. And yeah. If what I does can, keeping uh, right mean? I'm curious about. Yeah, what, what, sorry? What, what does this keeping right about Nico mean? Um, I mean, Nico can be a mouthful in, in, in different ways. Um, he, he's very energetic, and that's good. You need that in team, people who is energetic and spreads good energy, and he always does that. Uh, but he also has grown up. He's not just 18 anymore. So there's also other things which has his interest. Girls, drinking, <laughs> friends, you know, those kind of things. Um, and and I think he realized, especially maybe in this team, I hope so at least, that if he has his focus points at the right place, he can be one of the very best players in the world. Uh, super good at communicating, making the right decisions, has really good aim. Uh, place uh, situations out correctly and so on and he's been a very instrumental piece for our success okay i think here for those who aren't too familiar since you guys have come back from the, the player break in the middle of the year it was the dreamhack open for you guys you were straight then into esl1 cologne from there you're into pro league from there you're into new york from there you're into dreamhack yeah. open fall uh, and then recently you've actually kind of had what's the date today the ninth ninth so you haven't played an official now for eight days uh, which is probably the first time I think you can probably say that for you guys in, in, in quite a long stretch. So this kind of run that you've had now, you've obviously had these last eight days to, to reflect on things. Do you think it's just been that, like, uh, there's probably a lot of different ways to look at it, so I, I won't put words in your mouth. What, what do you think has been the key for you guys going on this mad run? Because you've picked up some massive trophies. Just one question, Chad. Yeah. So with the amount of tournaments we've played, what would you say our like activity level is that like are we participating in a lot of tournaments are we just you know where this is going where, <laughs> where are we at you're participating in a lot of tournaments yeah okay so basically we have 96 uh, maps played in the past three months yeah we participated in literally everything that we possibly could also participate in some shitty ass qualifiers but fuck that we have 96 maps played past three months and on hltv.org if you go to for example my <laughs> stat page we are still average activity i just want you guys to fix that shit that's oh, anyways <laughs> that is a manual though that is like automatically generated based on like other teams how, how teams are playing at the moment so because of teams like i don't know like gambit youngsters or outsiders anymore I know, I know, I, I feel you, Prof, just, but, but, but I, know, but it's, I think it's we're, a... we're playing everything, and I, I feel like there's no way we can be average activity, man. I, I think, uh, to be honest, I agree, and I brought it up as well, because, like, some teams are just, like, literally, like you say, playing everything, and somehow it's just, even sometimes I even caught it for, like, below average or whatever. But, I mean, and obviously it has away, to be changed. Because if you look at Endpoint, I think, in Gamepit, they have maybe 150 maps played or something, but, yeah, I'm happy I'm not those. But, yeah, to get back to your question, Chad, um, I mean, we started out with the DreamHack Summer. We tried to start um, post uh, tournament break, post summer break as early as possible, and we went hard. We really wanted to get a head start. 
because we've seen what that has done to other teams in the past. If you get a head start and play good in the first or second tournament, you'll bring the momentum and the confidence to the next ones. So we lost the final to pick. Um, that's the only team we lost to at that tournament twice. But they were also considered the best team in the world at that time. But that kind of rocket launched our performance for the next ones. We had a really good shape for Cologne, won that trophy, uh, which was really amazing. We had a good run, played a, a lot of good teams. And yeah, obviously everyone knows what happened after that. A bit of a bummer with the coaching situation. And a lot of people were like, okay, maybe it's a one-off. But then I think we showed with the third place at Pro League, only losing to Navi and Astralis, at least in playoff, um, and winning a DreamHack Open Fall, that we are here to stay, at least during the online era. Okay, well, I, I, that segues us into a couple of different things. And our next little talking point here was... Uh, I guess the the online era or having the online status. So maybe we'll we'll start there. Uh, in terms of this, and for those people who aren't familiar with what we do here on this show or what I say on broadcast or uh, just the general way of the world right now, online Counter Strike is is all we have. But do you think that there's um, any like if you're going to be honest about looking at your players, they're not all necessarily the most seasoned on land, right? Like I'd say, obviously for you, uh, Nico's been around the blocks for a while. Stown has been doing this now for a couple of years. Um, but when you when you look at this, your squad, do you think that you're going to have issues when adjusting to land? I think I think it's a good question. First and foremost, I think that um, obviously we have been thriving in the online era a bit, as you say, due to. First and foremost, we have some young players who is not as experienced as, uh, as at least the other teams that we're playing in the top 10. But I think that us consistently playing against these top 10 teams, if you look at like this 96 maps uh, past three months, I think 80 of them is against top 10 teams, um, which is going to give us a very valuable experience for when it is going to be land play. Because surely the pressure is going to be different, but we are more in the rhythm of how it is to actually play against Saibu and Shucks and Simple and those people who will punish mistakes as overpeaking and so on. Um, will we have issues? I think in the beginning there might be a transitioning period where we will have a harder time replicating these results. But I also feel like we have built such a great fundament that we will be having a lot of the right uh, pieces for the puzzle to make sure that we will be um, able to, to, to play great on land and win trophies and make deep runs. Um, so, I mean, it's a bit both yes and no. I can definitely see the concerns that might be, be between you analysts. But um, I think we have, we're building a lot of good stepping stones right now. The longer we can stay in the online era, like, I don't want the online era to, to continue, but the longer we can stay at this level, top one, top two, three, four, five, and play these teams, the more valuable experience we will gain for when we get back to land. What what do you think about uh, you're talking about like from a experience perspective? But what about the actual like in game like from how you play the game, how you pick corners and stuff like that? From the meta you play, like being like I I know we on the on the show said maybe that you play like ballsy Counter Strike and not in in a way maybe some people took it the wrong way that that you play like dumb Counter Strike. Yeah, you still have like a, a good idea of how to play CS, but at the same time. Like the guys, as you mentioned, like Nico, he had like insane matches where he just like destroyed Astralis, destroyed whoever was playing against you guys. So is that going to have to change? What do you think about like the that transition specifically like in the game from online to land? Well, I think, um, I mean, this 
it's very interesting because, for example, sometimes if you listen to Chat when he's been explaining like us playing, he'll be like, they're playing beautiful Counter-Strike. At times, textbook, uh, playing with the rotation, yada, yada. Then you can see then Kerrigan is on the show. He's like, well, they're just kind of playing a head under their arm, just running around, playing full confidence. So there's a very um, big difference in opinion about what we, uh, what kind of play style we have as a team. Um, and I think that kind of also suits to the reality because we try and adapt a lot to who we are playing and how they are playing. And we try to find the weaknesses in their philosophies and their approaches. So you can see a heroic which will be very slow paced on the T side one day and the next day will be running stretch up your face consistently. Um, and I, I think um, having Hunton as a coach will help us also for the land play prof. Like when we have, like he has such a big knowledge, like you can't underestimate the amount of knowledge that this guy has about Counter-Strike and him not having to focus on him playing will give him even better chances of watching from an overview perspective, what is going right, what is going wrong. And if you can keep fixing those mistakes that we do in practice in official games, do the reviews, come up with new tactics, steal the best from the other teams, I think we'll be fine for, uh, for the future. I guess we have to just quickly touch on this this coaching thing. There's going to a lot of people who listen to this, a lot of people in the Counter Strike world who are familiar with with what happened uh, with with the coaching bug. And we had a a brief chat about this before we uh, got stuck into the show today. Uh, and for those people who aren't too familiar, uh, when we had Carrigan on the show, there was also the air of you know uh, what can the well. It's a, the players can only say things that it's not going to make things better. It's obviously them just coming out and saying, you know, either this did or didn't happen or, or their side of events, which um, realistically may just be used against them in the future. So just quickly on this, Kadian, do you have anything you want to say on this just to, to get it out of the way? I think it's definitely better for me to just to keep off that topic uh, for now, potentially for a long while. I mean, like you say, you need to move very carefully when, when talking about this topic, especially for a guy like me who's involved uh, with, with having my coach uh, banned. Um, what I can say is that we have, um, Hunton has accepted the ban, the length of the ban. He is following every guideline there is about this situation uh, regarding to not being on TeamSpeak, regarding the vetoes, not being on TeamSpeak, regarding the official games. All those steps he makes sure to follow 100% of the way. So he respects his Ben. And I think he wants to do everything he can to get back at a point where he can prove uh, prove his worth to the community, which he has done for many, many years in Danish Counter-Strike. And just another thing quickly on that, HLTV, uh, I'll put it in the chat for everybody who's, who's playing along. Um, but I've just released uh, another article saying that uh, there's more to come from uh, ESIC regarding uh, the spectator bug. So I've just put that in chat for everybody now as this is an ongoing situation. There could be more to come uh, to do with any of the coaches who have been previously involved or new coaches. So this is obviously something which is which is constantly unfolding. Um, so we're going to move forward from this. Uh, maybe it's something that in the future, if things change, we can we can touch on this more with Kadian at a later date. But as far as today goes, we're, we're going to kind of leave it there. Um, so, okay. 
let's just circle back to the the conversation we were having regarding your play style. And I, I think that's something that that from my perspective, when I'm sitting there and I'm I'm analyzing and watching your games and then having the opportunity to commentate them as well. Like one day I, I'll notice I go in there with Nuke and I've gone in from the match that you guys have played a day or a couple days before and I go, okay, well, in this game, you know, they've really prioritized this and this and this. And then I set it up to say, hey, look out for how they exploit the rotation and this. And you guys won't do it at all. Like I noticed there was something, it was a while ago now, it was probably at the start of that nine week stint of just events back to back that went down. But um, we were, I was highlighting Stown, like going for so much squeaky invent uh, control. And then in the next game, it was actually Borup who was doing it and Stown wasn't actually playing, he was playing elsewhere. I think he was over working towards ramp or something. So are you guys really that flexible that you're going into almost every matchup with a, a ta- is it a tailored game plan or is it just so that you guys stay fresh? Like, I, Because watching it, when they say ballsy CS and what Carrigan was saying about you guys just headshotting everybody, there is a massive part of that to your game, right? Like you look at the way that you guys do take fights and it, there's a lot of confidence in it. And you even uh, spoke to us in one of those post-game interviews, your teammates saying like you should be more confident with AWP just looking for kills and stuff. And, and then I started noticing that more in your gameplay. So the, is it like Heroic are just constantly riding this, this ever-changing wave and you're not going to stagnate because of that? Or is it just when we watch... Hunden does such a good job of prepping you guys that it's a different look. Well, first of all, the preparation varies a lot for who we play and how much we use it. And obviously, I can't I can't ex- like explain too much in detail how the preparation process works for us. But 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 let me put it this way: when 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 people are dressed that we're going for a lot of um, risky plays or taking chances, I'll say that. 90% of them are very calculated in terms of what we know about their opponent, what their tendencies are, and what the outcome is of the situation. So even if the situation or the play doesn't work, we will make sure that we have some information gained off that play that we can capitalize off with the four others. Basically, it's kind of, if you look at the Fury, for example, what they are one of the best teams in, uh, at in the world, it's not only art going for the entry kill and getting and dying because this man is what I don't know how many attempts 60% of the entry attempts or something is from this dude it's it's absurd so he, he might win 30% and he might lose 30 right but what they're really good at is capitalizing on the information that he's receiving or pushing the opponents back in a position where they can then take that space gain that space and lose use less grenades potentially on the map control part and more on the execute or whatever and I feel like we're trying to do a lot of the same um Maybe 10% or so in the online area, but that's also just how you need to play up in your face and, and stuff. If people are trying to play, if you if we look at the preparation and we see a team that is relying heavily on a lot of grenade executes, well, let's go in their face, even as a CT, let's make a one-for-one one trade. Let's see what these guys can do in a 3v3 with one smoke lift. Can they make the right mid-round call or not? Like, do they have an inexperienced in-game leader? Let's, push, let's punish that. All these kind of things. Um, so, yeah. Okay, I don't so know you... if there was a answer for the question, but no, no, it was like so. So, like, I, I think that's one of the things that you've just brought up here is how uh, the game has changed. You were, the the sense that players and teams are so aware of what other teams are coming in with as their you know main approach or either their biggest weakness or one of their weaknesses that you guys are able to to kind of pick and choose what playstyle heroic gets to use against these guys based off of you know what you think is is going to work and. Um, 
I think that a part of that, especially the bit you mentioned regarding, um, you know, just going in and headshotting, you've had to see certain teams, especially Astralis is one I think that people maybe not have maybe not noticed in a big way, but they've had to adapt in recent times to being a lot more heads up in the fights that they take. Like you'll notice that in devices gameplay, especially on the T side of maps, like he will just go in with an AK now and just take fights instead of just holding a line with an AWP while the rest of his team goes because he knows he needs to get stuck in that he's that good of a player and he needs to take those type of fights. Um, so, so gameplay wise, that, that does make an awful lot of sense. And I think what we'll do is we'll use that point here to, to, to move on to our next one to do with the rivalries with the likes of Astralis and, and Vitality. Now, uh, on, on a, on a forward facing point, those are two of the best teams that we have, uh, alongside you guys in the world this year, I think consistently Vitality, uh, you know, they've made it to a lot of grand finals, unfortunately not able to convert any trophies in Astralis. Now they've got Zipex back. So we have to see how this one plays on through, but do you enjoy um, the fact that, at least from a storyline perspective, we we have rivalries for Heroic with these names? Yeah, sure. I mean, in a way, it's an honor, right? Because it's uh, two big brands. Um, one of them contains probably the best or second best player in the world. And like you said, uh, Chad, I think one of uh, Vitality's um, key notes is that they always make deep runs, right? They're very consistent. Um, and if you look at Astralis, it's the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest Counter-Strike team we have had ever. Um, the amount of uh, stability that they have produced in results and the amount of trophies they won and just their consistency, especially in the majors, right? When it, it's been really matter, when, when, when it's really mattered, they've always been there. Um, so yeah, obviously great to be alongside those names, but also we, I guess we're trying to, to create our own uh, destiny and our own reputation, right? And uh, maybe it starts with the online era and ends with the trophies at land as well. We'll see, but but definitely nice to be capable of playing these teams and also winning, right? Like uh, we haven't lost to Vitality in six months. Soon we lost last time in May, um, but also only played them twice. It has to be said, sorry Vitality, but, but both <laughs> it's only in best of five finals. So yes, exactly. It's, only it's best kind of kind of, kind of matters. It's legit, legit uh, results, right? Um, so yeah, and Astralis, it's I think we're two and two. Maybe they won at Masters as well. So if you count pre-summer break in, they're three and two. But but after summer break, it's two and two. And for us, so I think uh, Astralis is more of a rivalry at at the moment. Um, not not to be harsh to Vitality or anything, but um, we've had a good time uh, playing them. Uh, I think they're a super strong team. Uh, we see that they're develop developing a lot. Let's see where this Nivera thing is going to bring them. I think he is a very talented player and he might be the last 5-10% that they need. I think also an uh, undervalued uh, statement is, or point is that Shuxi, I think he's uh, raised his level a lot lately, uh, made a lot of impact clutches and so on. Um, I think they're a good team, but we've been having more struggles with Astralis being 2-2, two and two, having crazy, crazy fucking crazy games against them. Uh, one time where we nearly played 60 rounds in Vertigo and so on. And also just with all the Danish media covering it and uh, a bit of all that situation with regarding to the coach bug, organizational owners going out, making statements, being controversial, all these kind of things. It's all just a fire at the... They are fuel at the fire, right? So... Just on that one, do you think that uh, with with what came out on social media, and I, I obviously I'm not Danish and I don't really follow the media, but I assume there would have been focus on it um, uh, before New York. There was a, a, a bit going down, 
And do you think that affected the performance that you guys had in New York at all? Or do you think that you guys maybe just needed a bit of a break at that point? Yeah, I think um, a combination of the two things, right? Needing a break and also just the mental pressure that they kept applying to us. Also doing Pro League, also less than 20 hours before we had to face them. And also, like I think, five hours before we played Navi or something. All of a sudden, crazy attacks on social media and so on. Was that uh, planned? Who knows? Um, anyhow, like... I Would think, you prefer it if it was planned? Um, I mean, in a way, I hope so for them. Because um, if it wasn't planned and like some of them had to withdraw some of their statements or apologize to us, um, so I hope for them it was planned. Because uh, yeah, I don't. In a way, I, I just yeah. Obviously, I can't go too much in detail of the entire situation, but I think it was badly handled, uh, handled, handled potentially by both parties. But uh, but yeah, what what's the there's a, game there's a question uh, down this line? Uh, a guy asked on Twitter, "Would you accept a one v one boxing match against Glaive?" Oh after, shit! Considering <laughs> like the, the rivalry there, would that let's say for charity? Of course, to just make it more more appealing. just hypothetical, right? Hypothetical, of course. Um, I would, I would, yeah, I could do a boxing match versus Glaive. Uh, I think he's actually been training a bit lately. I've seen him uh, getting bigger, and he's from a tough foot, so he might have a little bit of an edge. But uh, sure, let's uh, let's give it a go. I have I have longer arms for sure. So uh, <laughs> you guys seem like the same height, you know, same kind of weight, you know. It seems like a seems like a pretty fair fight. Yeah, yeah that's true. Let's do it. Let's organize it, Martin. Martin, Martin you heard it. You want about the amazing all of the other players coming in to watch. I think uh, it should be good. Um, I suppose on a gameplay uh, perspective against Astralis, why is it that you think you have more struggles against them uh, than say someone like Vitality? Yeah. So how how did it go? Like uh, I think first and foremost, one of the things is um, is the map pool against Vitality. Um, I don't think they have any super strong picks against us. Um, I don't know how the current does to it, but current does two is. But at the time, it was one of the best maps, I think, and they obviously couldn't pick that against us. Um, I don't know. Like looking at a lot of the maps, also especially in the Cologne one, I think they misplayed the veto a bit uh, when we went three zero against them. Uh, I feel like we have a good map pool against them. I think stylistically, uh, we're having a good time against them with the way they play. I think there's quite a few tills in the game plan, um, where I think um, Astralis is is more talented at the mid round uh, mid round calls and so on. And Astralis can punish you. I just feel like in in general in a way harder way than Vitality can. Like if you don't pressure the okay, so a a, a good um, way of explaining it maybe is let's say you have a default on the T side against Astralis. If you play it too fast. You will get grenades straight up your face. You'll run around all of you 40, 50 HP. You'll get flash peaked. You will be down to a disadvantage very quickly. If you play your map control too slow against Astralis, they will save utility. And when you execute on the side, they're going to nate the fuck out of you. They're going to deploy a Molotov straight on the bomb plant. They'll make sure that you just sit there with 15 seconds and have to rush up and you can't clear angles properly. Where I feel like they are the best team in the world at um, managing their utility in a way where it's very difficult to play against. Um, where I think um, Vitality, they have more like set plans, and if you manage to read or figure out what plans they have, you can you can abuse that. And 
I don't know. I just didn't. I I don't feel the same pressure around the map when I play Vitality. Um, honestly, I okay. I feel like Astralis' players are just more aware. They are harder to surprise. They are harder to manipulate in the rotations and so on. All right. Well, that's that's a that's a good way of looking at it, right there. I I think one of the things with Vitality, and I don't think you guys have uh, had a chance to play them since. I know Prof and I were talking about. It. I think Masuta now is starting to, to find a bit more form and impact as well. So maybe next time you go up against it, might be a bit bit of a taller task. Uh, Prof Strike, you got anything here to do with the rivalries or, or anything we've covered so far before we move on to a bit more about Cadian's past? Good with moving on. All right, cool. Well, we'll just keep it going then. Uh, now, we've labeled it here, and uh, Prof does these for me because I'm too lazy. This is uh, Cadian's redemption arc. Now, like, you, you love your anime and your arcs and shit, so this is down your alley, right? This is it's a long the, arc, yeah. a very long one. It's very better long. than the, the Ant arc from Hunter x Hunter. I'll give you the hot fucking tip. For the people playing at home, if you're not too familiar with, with Cadian, now, he's only 25. He's still a he's spring chicken. Uh, but like I, this is the thing. I go back all the way to remembering being at that Gamescom event, playing against you when you had uh, the the Serbian slash Bosnian Nico standing in uh, when you guys were SK, and it was the the game show style event, right? That's all the way back in fucking 2015. And since then, obviously, you've been over to North America. Um, you've played within the realms of of Rogue. Then you had that whole Rogue with the major situation. Then you were on North, and that didn't last for very long. Uh, and then now you're on Heroic. Which you've been there since uh, like September of, of last year, but this whole journey, like, did you think that you were ever going to to make it to this level? Considering because we're going back, what twenty fourteen was when you had your first team, Copenhagen Wolves, right? Well, even even way before that, actually, I think. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Chet. You might Fuck. not want to remember this. Oh shit, we lost to you at DreamHack Winter. Yeah, DreamHack Winter two thousand and thirteen, the BIOC qualifier. Uh, I played with the uh, yeah. Robin, who's in yeah. Endpoint now. Yeah. Sentex and Ultra from Norway, who you will have no clue who is. Nah. Uh, and uh, AC, who's yeah now North. Uh, we played Chet, I think, two rounds before qualifying to the major. I beat you guys. I remember Nuke was, was one of the best maps. Of one. It was only one yeah. map. Yeah, Nuke. Yeah. yeah. Best of one, yeah. It was yeah. a crazy thing. Like 80 teams in a bring-your-own-computer bracket. Two teams make it to the major. Uh, it was tough playing. It was a lot of games. Uh, we beat you guys there, and then we beat Mouseballs in the following game, back when it was Crochet, uh, Triple A, and those guys. But yeah, that, I, I think that was my first stint with like professional Counter-Strike, right? Like uh, Hunton and others had called me a talent back in Counter-Strike Source at the local land days, but I went to boarding school, so I had a year with not playing. I got back, Counter-Strike Go was out, and yeah, that, that was the story of my beginning. And I mean, just to not make it too long, I guess, Bottom of the line, your question is, did I think I would make it to this level? I think for, for long, very long, I thought I would make it. And I had the expectations and hopes. And I uh, thought to myself that I had the talent to do so. But also now in the later stages, I came to a point where, okay, so top 15 would be nice. Top 10 would be nice. Those kind of things. And yeah, maybe I'll just never win a big trophy. Maybe I'll just never reach that number one spot. Um, also, one of the problems has been living in Denmark. Like whenever anyone has asked me, what are you doing? And most of the time, you can't really be bothered to say you play CS for a living because it requires a hell of a lot of explanation to people who don't know about it. But Unless you're picking up a girl. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of girls in that, guys. Remember that in Twitch chat, Kappa. Um, 
But then in Denmark, everyone has been saying like Astralis, right? Oh, so you play for Astralis? No. And then you've just watched these uh, guys just win a trophy, another trophy, the next one, uh, great sponsor uh, sponsor deals, all those kind of things. So for a while, I thought, okay, maybe like just being the second best in Denmark is what I'll have to live with. But I'm glad that my surroundings, the people around me, have said shut the fuck up, keep pushing, and so on. And in the small times where I've lost hope, I've kept fighting. And yeah, now I'm at a spot where I also know what it requires, right, of me personally to what time, what effort I need to put into it to to be where I am. And I guess in a way, the 3D master plan FNS style is to make yourself join North and get kicked, right? Because we've seen how that goes, <laughs> guys. I wanted to ask about that, actually. I don't know if Striker has some questions, probably does, but, but about North, I always found that part, that was a pretty short stint. That was just a couple of months, right? And I don't even know why you got kicked in the end, but it was like, it was very accepted from the community. Like, yeah, this is the move they needed to, like the yeah. KDM was shit because you lost to Vici. Was that the, one of those losses? <laughs> oh God, no. Vici that was the play-in tournament, right? Yeah. That was the play-in. Yeah. And after that, I was like, yeah, this guy is absolutely should just let, let's kick him. And uh, then, you, then they kicked you more or less. Was okay, that so, how it went? I mean, I'll try to, um, to, to bring Rewind the time here. So I'm in the Danish scene. I'm in a few teams. I'm doing okay. Um, all of a sudden, I'm in a situation where I'm, I was playing in the European Rogue team. If anyone remembers, it was, that was with Bubble. Maniac and the Bulgarians. Right? Yeah, we started with Maniac and HS, but uh, fairly quickly we changed Maniac and HS and brought in Bubble and Victor, who came from the Vindigo team or whatever they were called back then, Efrag or whatever. Uh, crazy Bulgarians, love them, but but very crazy. Um, and played in that team, Bubble, Victor, Glaze, and uh, Tensky. And we started to produce some good results. We ended up to enter the top 30. The team uh, had some issues in the end. We collapsed. Um, and I had myself in a situation where I was not asked to join like Heroic, North, Astralis, and I didn't really see a way where we could create a fourth team in Denmark that was capable with the five uh, with five Danish players. <clears throat> so I was in a situation where I didn't really know what to do. And then I had the chance of going to uh, North America with Rogue. Uh, they were building a new team when the other one collapsed with Hiko, uh, Vice, um, Shinobi, and Wrath. And then they were trying to get Wattel, but he left uh, five minutes before the match of Pro League or some crazy so essentially all of the guys that went to valorant now yeah yeah basically yeah um and i said yes i mean it was good money with the na salary compared to the eu i said yes for a three-month contract uh, i would i joined them mid-season of uh, pro league to try and save them right they were bottom of the charts didn't win anything and i went there and in some crazy way we managed to get enough points to play the uh, global challenge or whatever where you have to survive for your pro league relegation thing and we had to play with uh, Shinobi, who, sorry, Shinobi, Josh, you're not the be best of fraggers. Um, but we had to play with him and with the... Um... I think I think for people that don't know Shinobi, he's like like the MDL ver NA version of Crystal. I think that would yeah. be like like people that played with him as an in-game leader. He did a good job, but like fragging wise, just like pretty, pretty bad. And yeah, you he, were, had like, he had like 0. 0.80 rating or something. Yeah. Um, and then we had to play with Uber because of some regulation with the... We had this Wrath kid who was named to be the new superstar and he was uh, not able to be worked with at all. So we had to go with Uber who didn't play for three months. 
And yeah, somehow we managed to beat some teams. Uh, that's also where the famous, uh, oh, Dale, what are you doing? Or something clip is where he's picking me with three seconds left when I fake plant or something. But we managed to keep the Pro League spot. And where I want to go with the story is, I joined Rogue with the expectation and hope of making myself attractive to the top three Danish teams, right? Astralis, North, and Heroic. And I told myself if I would get one of those offers, I would instantly be leaving America. Then we started playing. We played better and better. We made some good uh, additions. First of all, Sick, fucking beast. And after that, Ricky as well, who was playing really well with us, being hi a hybrid player, very dynamic, go with flow kind of player. And then I got the offer from Heroic, actually. And uh, I said no. I broke my own rule with saying yes, because I could feel like this team was just on the cusp of making something awesome. Like we were starting to produce good results in Pro League. We were qualifying for events. And month after that, it all uh, kind of had the culmination when we qualified for the um, for the major, right? And uh, the major showing was pretty good. We only won the one game. The major, but... right? What, sorry? Face it major. Yeah, face sure. major, 2018, yeah. And uh, yeah, then we won the first game, lost to Astralis and Spirit or something. Second game was against Astralis. I'll remember we were leading 14 uh, 10. We had a good chance or something, and uh, we fucked it all up. Dupree with his famous banana play. They execute B, and he walks uh, through the CT smoke to tree. No one checks it and gets a 3K or something in the money. Fuck round. Um, but yeah, then we lost that game. We played Spirit, heavy with the draw. All the Americans were, woohoo, we drew, we drew Spirit. And I was like, guys, please stop celebrating this. Like, you don't want to play these CIS teams. And what happened? We played them and got 16 4 or something. And then we played North after that and um, lost in triple OT. But that event, uh, once more, I, I, I kind of solidi solidified myself as an in game leader and as an AWP player. And I attracted the North offer, which I then accepted. And to, to touch upon that, like, what went wrong, Prof? Like, why uh, got kicked and so on? To be honest, I think it's. Uh, one of the worst teams I've ever played in, uh, straight up. Um, and I'll try to from like a player perspective, or well, for like the how it was run, or, or all together. In, in a lot of ways, like instantly, I just really didn't feel like that this was the spot for me. Right? We had the talks. I joined the team, and things just weren't comfortable for me. Like first and foremost, there was a lot of with MSL. We did this. With MSL, we did this. Well, he's not your in-game leader anymore. You you kicked him. So let's try and focus on building a new stepping stone, right? And we had not a lot of time to introduce my principles. And Belde was already unhappy with the team because I think he had offers from other teams that he wanted to pursue, but he couldn't go. He was not allowed. Um, so And there was no one who was willing to give the extra 5 or 10% for the team. Whether that was sacrificing with jumping around a corner Playing extra deathmatch, finding a new tactic, bringing up the mood when everything was looking dark. There was nothing of that. I remember three months in or something, um, we were playing average. We were still sub 10 on the world ranking. We didn't really do anything great, but we also hadn't really fucked up at this point yet. And I remember I was just considering going to the sports director and say, yo, listen, if you can trade me to uptick or sell me or something, like I'm honestly down. And I didn't do it because I wanted to try and fight for it. But that kind of mentality of not wanting to go the extra mile to, to achieve greatness, that just has such an insane effect on the team. Like, if one guy is like that, it's going to get to the next one. It's going to get to the third. And, yeah, I, I'm so happy I got out of that team, honestly. Uh, yeah.
So, from what you're saying here is when when you joined, it was already fucked. Um, is that a succinct way of putting it? Well, I mean, not necessarily, I would say. In a way, yes, because I think Valde, to be honest, was killing the mood quite heavily. He didn't really put in a lot of effort to be a good team player, a good teammate. And I think that sacrificed a lot because he had a lot of respect, rightfully so, within the team. Because he's a really good player and he has a great mind for the game and as a human as well. But he was not into the project and that that made us suffer a lot. That was the one thing. The second thing I think was that MSL's uh, philosophy was very strict, right? He was telling everyone what to do, what move to do, when you can move, all these kind of things. And I was way more go with the flow, let's react on what's happening. And both things has their strengths and their weaknesses. But when I came to the team, I felt like there was no, not enough of, not enough of like initiatives and reacting to the situations. Like people were very stale, and uh, yeah, that worked way better on Rogue. So you're, just for those people, if they're not too familiar, the North roster that we're talking about then, it was yourself, Valda, uh, Kirby, AZ, and Gade. That's the yeah. team, right? So yeah. when you look at that team on paper, obviously over there at North, it's still Gade and AZ uh, currently part of that roster. Kirby's at phase now and Valda's at OG. But at the time, that looked like it should have been a roster that, that could have worked, right? And that's the thing is we've been saying for fucking years now, we might have to shut the fuck up about it, is like how good AZ used to be. Well, that was a long time ago now. And, you know, the fact we're always, oh, Kirby, 2017, you know, the major, da 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 uh, But Gate always, to me, felt like a safe pair of hands. And Volda, like around that time period, because we're going back to the what? The 2019s. He was a top 20 player then. Yeah. Year. So, like, you would think that with that roster that you would have had, like, a, a chance to actually go for a bit of a run. I guess we didn't know that the mood inside the camp uh, at the time. So, I think uh, that's also, like, kind of ties into a lot of, like, the Valde situation that you're talking about. Like, if he wants to leave and he's the best player, everyone's looking towards him. Like, what is he doing? How much is he putting in? And then kind of measuring himself. Like, everyone's measuring themselves up to, like, uh, Michael Jordan and fucking the bulls right and then they are like okay i'll do like 70 percent of what he does and if he's not not really into the project and he's doing below what he's normally doing and then everyone's doing less than that then that doesn't work i think it kind of ties into why a lot of these teams don't really want to keep players that want to leave because it's it just doesn't work in a lot of cases in cs i mean in some cases it can work but especially at that time where still that was like 2017 right 18 where coaching and all of these factors of like sports psychology weren't really there and people when they got tilted just like destroyed the team we actually we actually had a guy connected with like sports psychology we didn't get to use him as much as we wanted to but i think one of the interesting things is also when you look at the lineup like like you guys say like if you took every piece i think this piece could be valuable in a lot of teams um, even if you had to make a secondary Danish team at the time, you would probably pick a lot of these pieces as well to be the contender of Australis. But the mindset was not there. And if the mindset is not there, it doesn't matter how well the pieces are collected. Like you need people to be 100% committed to to achieve greatness, right? And if if one guy doesn't want to sacrifice because he sees this team potentially as um a stepping stone for the next bigger team or whatever you see him he doesn't want to run in okay well hell no i'm not going to run in for this guy then if he's not ever going to do it for me why would i run for him and those kind of mentality just really fucked us in that team i think that no one was there to sacrifice for the team and 
I guess actually, I think this is the team where I lost where uh, people lost faith in my uh, captaining the fastest. And when you feel that as a captain, you're also pretty fucking doomed. Because if you feel like you don't have the full trust of your teammates when making calls, because at times you have to make calls that's insanely stupid, but it's the only thing or the only chance that we have in our pockets right now. And when you feel like you have to do those calls and people are not uh, 100% committed, things will fall apart and they will badly. Um, and just touching on the Vici game, I mean, I would rather just not ever talk about that. But, <laughs> uh, but I actually think that um, when we played the play-in, the, first and foremost, we played the European minor, right? We in the upper bracket final. We beat some good teams on the way there. In the semi-final, we took down Vitality. And I've said, ooh, yeah, nice, not bad. Uh, but then we played Ens um, in the... It was a stacked minor, as always, in, in Europe. We played Ens in the upper final, lost, had to play Vitality again and lost. So we had two chances of making the major there and lost. Then we had to play the play-in. First game we played against Vici because we're seed one versus seed four. And they played some straight up, I'll say, I think they played amazing Counter-Strike in those two games against us. Um, I think that the Advent, Advent, Advent guy? Um, Advent, yeah. Yeah, Advent as an in-game leader played phenomenal and had some really good uh, tactics and executes. Um, and I think Case, uh, the AWP player, was also amazing just he was so dynamic and so aggressive and got a lot out of the situations. And Choking, uh, Soaking uh, was also uh, playing well. Um, and the thing is, at this time, um, I mean, a lot of things was happening uh, within North, but um, the, the, uh, some some players lost their faith in, in, in Ave and his uh, preparation of the opponents. They felt like we were using too much time on preparing for the opponents instead of playing our own game. So we went into this tournament without having Ave prepare because people other people didn't want it in the team. I I wanted it, but other people didn't want it. So I think all of that was just recipe of disaster. Like if you have a guy like Ave with his talent and his gift of preparing and studying and understanding opponents, you need to use it. So I, I guess this question here is probably pretty loaded. Do you think Ave was was uh had his coaching career ended be- because of North? Um I mean, he, he had a lot of... Uh, the, the thing is, he has a wife and uh, two kids, which yeah. at the time was about to become three because his uh, wife got pregnant. So I think he had a lot well, of... How focus. does that happen? You know? How, how <laughs> did he <they> get pregnant? Bones <laughs> doesn't know anything. How does that happen? So let's talk about that process first. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I think he had a lot of uh, responsibilities towards his family and a lot of time had to be put there. And um, the truth is for me about Ave is that I think he's probably one of the best analytical coaches. He has one of the greatest minds of Counter-Strike. He explained me things with graphs and so on that I would never be able to replicate here on the show or try and explain anyone else. Like He has such a good mind and a good way of explaining things, but he's probably not uh, the strongest side of the human side of the aspect, right? Of uh, motivating and making sure that this team will have the right group dynamic and so on. That's where he lacks. Um, and I think he was looking a lot onto uh, Sonic, who at the time was his former teammate and doing all the things he was with Astralis and trying to like be some of that. And it was very hard for him to see his old friend have so big success when he knew that probably, potentially, he's maybe smarter than Sonic, but couldn't get the same results. Sure. Um, but I have a, the deepest amount of respect for Ave and would definitely work with him again. I think he was an amazing coach. I think it's sad that um, we didn't get to capitalize as much of that as we wanted to because um, he's a gift to 
probably every Counter-Strike team there is out there. All right, so uh, let's do this because we have uh, we, we said we're going to run a longer hot seat here today. Um, do you just want to catch everybody up so they can kind of get the full story? Because we've covered a lot of your, your history um, to, to joining Heroic. And then what we'll do is we have a bunch of viewer questions, I believe, right, Prof? Uh, yeah? Yeah, we have a bunch of them. All right, so so let's go into when you when you first joined the Heroic roster uh, late 2019 with, with Snappy and Co. And then we can kind of fast forward and, and we'll start asking the questions. Let me know if I'm too long. I'll, I'll no, try no, to... no, this is great. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, so I had... The thing is, with me and Heroic, it's been a romantic flirt for a long time. I never got to uh, give, get the Heroic pregnant until now. But for a long while, she was teasing me. She was inviting me out for dinners. But at the end of the day, she left the table and I had to pay the bill, right? So what I'm trying to say here is for a long time, we had flirts. Back when it was owned by Refresh, uh, post refresh as well. A lot of times I was very close to signing with them, but for different uh, reasons, it didn't happen time after time. And I'm talking three or four times where I could have or should have joined them and it didn't happen. Uh, to not forget that I qualified them for two major tournaments that didn't get to play them. Uh, great times. Um, <laughs> it, it finally ended up happening. Um, I joined them. I was very curious to the roster. Um, for the first time in a long while, it's something that some people sometimes forget. So I've been uh, in-game leading for... Well, I've been professional since 2013 when uh, the DreamHack tournament. And so now seven years. And I would say for five and a half or six of those years, I've been uh, in-game leading. Sometimes people are like, oh, it's a new role for him. It's really not. But this was one of the few times where I was not the in-game leader. Snappy was. Um, so I joined the team. Snappy's the in-game leader. I'm actually happy with the, with this situation because... I'm joining after a bad stint with North, where some people has also been questioning my performance. So I really wanted to have a good show of uh, individual performance here as well. And I had that with the guys, and I really enjoyed them. I think there was good camaraderie. Um, there was some disagreements between me and Snappy, because we have very different views of the game. And both of us could have handled some of those situations better. I think at the end of the day, if we would have been more capable of um, creating space for the other person's ideas, we would have been getting, uh, we would have developed even better, uh, better because um, some of the best results we made it, we created in the beginning was due to the combination of me and Snappy ping-ponging. Right, he had the very strict style with a lot of uh, set executes where it was. Um, planned to, to detail, which was amazing strategies. And I could sometimes just like running around, okay, we see the chance, let's right click a smoke and go, these kind of things, right? So when we had the combination of those two things, it worked really nice. But I, in the end, felt a bit limited, uh, to be honest. And I get I guess that created the beginning of some of the problems with the, the first lineup. Okay. All right. Well, then uh, for those people playing at home, you now have the heroic today, the ones who are winning all those trophies. Now, let's get into these viewer questions, Prof. Uh, and then Striker and Prof as well, if we have anything that we want to ask Katie, and we may as well do that I can uh, before start, we get into the recent news. Yeah, I can start with one question because it kind of ties into where, where you were, uh, what you were talking about with the start of heroic. There is a question from Bobo. He asks, how long did it take for, for heroic to translate practice success into officials? If, if even practice success was a thing that that came first because for some teams it doesn't really it happens in officials first right yeah we're talking about the old lineup now right oh uh, yeah with snappy and or either or the, or the new one that depends on what you think was more important 
Yeah, so if we, if we start out with the old lineup, uh, with Snappy and those, I joined and instantly we played ECS, this season something. Um, and at this time, they started doing the thing where if you won a week, you would qualify for the LAN tournament. And uh, we played the last one or something, and we won it. But they had some weird system where the last one you played, you didn't qualify. It was like qualify about, about points, like only the yeah, first three were things. Yeah. There. And because they would play MIF, uh, the week before when I didn't play, or two weeks before, lost to Rapaleno, the Swedish guys, pretty frogging those. Even though we won week five, um, they didn't have enough points. So we we didn't start with like the practice and dry runs. We started just straight officials and uh, won that a week and qualified for the next tournament and had had a really good run instantly. We won. Uh, we were like, correct me if I'm wrong, but we were something like um, on an 18 map winning streak and then we lost a map. And then we went to a 18 map winning streak or something. Like uh, we we were like 36 and five or something very early on. I think like some something crazy or 30 and five or something. So we had a really good start. If you look at the second lineup when we added Nico and Tessis, we had way more time of uh, practicing uh, and developing the uh, system. Um, we had some uh, problems as well. First and foremost, we needed to develop a new system. Who is going to play which roles? What, uh, how we can, like, everyone wants some of the nice CT roles and so on. So you have to try and um, even it out as much as possible. And who's going to take the map control and so on. So we had more time there. And we also, I was pushing to get Hunton as a coach. I was pushing to make sure that we secured the signature of Nico. Because we weren't, uh, there was actually a time where um, we'd been practicing with Nico for two weeks. And then in the end, they couldn't finalize the agreement between Immortals and the Heroic. And Nico was like, yeah, there's no need to practice today, guys. I'm sorry, we, we couldn't finalize. And I was like, fuck. No, we're not going to find anyone who has the same capabilities and experience as this guy. And I need him a lot. Um, and I tried to push the organization to to get him in whatever terms the other organization wanted or what it, what it was. And it made it happen. Um, and I really wanted this five, this lineup, this five. Um, and I think it's been working out really great, obviously, with the SL1 clone and uh, the DreamHack Open Fall trophy. One of the things is um, I have a really good chemistry as well with, with Stown when we work together on the map, uh, on Ivy, on Train, on Inferno, Banana, those kind of things. Very dynamic. And this guy has insane potential, right? Then there's uh, Borob, who has for long been um, named as one of the best aimers in Denmark. And where can his talent drive him? And he had a bit of a struggle in the later part of the old team with the um, and S attack, but he can really achieve greatness. Um, and I think now more than ever, he's trying to uh, be suitable in the current role that he has. And he's starting to do better and better day by day, learning every day. And he's a very instrumental part for our team as well, making sure that he plays his positions right. Um, so big shout out to him as well for, for developing. And yeah, obviously Tessis and Nico, we've all seen... Uh, what those bees can do, right? I have a question. Yep. Do you live in an apartment complex or in a house? <laughs> uh, apartment complex. How do the neighbors feel about the air horn? About, about this bad boy? Yes, exactly <laughs> um, about that one. Actually, How many uh, complaints have you gotten in the last five months, I wanted to ask? Zero, zero. But I think they've also witnessed quite a lot. Me standing down on the road with a toilet roll as a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, the only complaint I ever got from them was when I just got home from uh, the US after the FunPlus uh, Phoenix deal fell through. Yeah. And because of uh, the travel restrictions, when you had been in another country in Denmark at this time, you had to add 14 days of the quarantine, 
where you couldn't go outside. So we had people doing the grocery sh shopping for us and so on. Uh, Mitha, the Renegades coach, bought me some food and so on. But we could only stay in the apartment. And I was doing like home workouts. And I mean, I'm not the biggest of guys, but I'm still like uh, 85 kilos. And when I was doing like burpees, the whole apartment was like shaking. So <laughs> she came up and knocking on the door like, what the heck is going on on here? And I was standing there in my gym outfit. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And at that time, I was streaming it as well on Twitch, and people were donating money to see me do all this kind of stupid shit. And yeah, that kind of fell, it fell to the floor after that. You had nice neighbors then, mate. I think if I that was fucking, sounding fucking an air horn. That's unbelievable to me, to be honest. Yeah. Fuck. Maybe they know what's going on. Maybe they're watching. Maybe. They they're like, they're part it, of the We know it's over now. It's fine. When you, see, when, you see, when you hear people like using the air horn like in the next room, like you know what's going on like when, you're, when you guys are playing. <laughs> Uh, we got the other uh, questions there, Prof. Uh, let me just scroll through. And you can fill for a uh, for a minute. I'm so... good at filling. It's one of my favorite things to do. We do it on air when there's no queue and the players they're warming up or there's technical issues, and then we just talk and then we talk about our lives because we run out of things after nine weeks okay, chat on air. I have then... one thing. I have yeah. one thing, Chad. I want to ask you guys. Yeah. Martin. So, give me a de detailed explanation of our team strengths and weaknesses. A detailed explanation of your. I think this name. is Chad's. This is, is definitely is that Chad's. What we did like uh, a couple of times now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, or at least what? a prediction of how things are going to turn out for the next three months or something. Well, the next something three. Fun. The next three months. Look, I, I, I'm going to be the best unless Prof linked me a fucking report before saying there's some vaccine. Vaccine. For, uh, I'm going to say it's bullshit. Uh, maybe it is, but let's just assume everything stays the same as what we've been experiencing for the majority of this year, and we stay with online Counter-Strike. You guys have already qualified for the Global Challenge. You've got uh, a couple more events between now and then. I don't see your consistency as a team dropping off because of the type of Counter-Strike you guys play and the individuals on the team all being young and hungry. Like, you're the veteran of the squad and you're only 25, right? The rest of them are all babies, and they've got the bit of spotlight right now, and they're all playing like mad fraggers. There's no reason right now to get disenchanted there's also not big enough prize pools or a major to win and go okay well we need a fucking break now it's just the sense of you guys in an era that doesn't exist showing that you can be competitive and the fantastic thing for you is you have astralis there as the constant team going to be talked about in your country regardless of what you guys do so you always have that to chase and try and shut the fucking media up and all that kind of noise and the rivalry is fantastic um but in terms of of the the downfall for heroic the only way that i can see you guys not being competitive anymore is if your individuals stop striving to be the best they possibly can because i think that the style of counter-strike that you're playing as a team like we mentioned earlier is very very fluid right that you have a lot of different looks and you are quite actually drilled in terms of your strategies you're always bringing out something new or a little new detail so the biggest downfall is if one link or if multiple links in the team aren't contributing in the way that they need to because everybody in your squad and this is what we talk about on the desk uh able to perform to a high level when they need to right everybody is good for a kill everybody's good for two if they need it. everybody can have a clutch and i think that's probably the most exciting thing about your team it doesn't there's obviously roles right like but it doesn't feel like there is when you watch them play like everybody can do what they need to do within a game i think that's the coolest thing about heroic is you guys can actually place a very rounded counter-strike with all five members is that well, yeah well one question it can also be for you striker prof but if you had to give our team uh, if you had to say, okay, um, these are the 10 best teams if you take man by man, would you say we are one of the 10 best teams in the world, man by man? Uh, I, I was thinking of, I don't know. From, I'd say yes. Pretty easily. I, I'd say probably no. 
especially because you have these like new teams that we don't even that are like ranked 100 in the world and stuff like like cloud nine let's say probably up there somewhere maybe i don't know uh i was thinking about it from the perspective of you don't really have like you have stars like stone is probably the big, biggest star in your team but it's not he's not the, the player that has to perform every time for you to win so i think from like a longevity if i was like the gm of heroic now the biggest positive is like if astralis comes in and picks off one of my players i can i can re like rebuild with someone else like i, I don't think anyone getting picked off is going to destroy the team and it's going to be irre irreplaceable maybe stuff like obviously we don't know things you mentioned about nico like his uh like what he brings to the team not on the server just in terms of energy and stuff like that maybe that is hard to find but like the danish scene has enough good players we have boobski on astralis's bench we have uh mad lands still have a couple of good players i don't know who can buy who from who in that situation but I think from that perspective, Heroic has like uh, a lot to go for. I think Sponge's explanation of like the whole team has to like go down together because of like something to to make the team like drop like a, a big a big margin. I am one of those people who are kind of concerned about when the when the line returns because exactly because of how young your players are. Essentially, like Nico, who's still quite a young guy, is basically like your second most experienced player, even though you know he hasn't really been around for. Um, for for that long, and he actually hasn't had too much experience in the recent times, um, so that's kind of a worry for me, just because of of like guys like Stown and uh, uh, and Tessas, especially like if they're going to be able to replicate what they're doing online at this point. Because I think it's kind of curious to me that Borup is essentially your worst rated player for I think for 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 this entire stretch that you guys uh, have been playing, and I think that actually bodes well for you guys because he's still uh, a pretty good player in my eyes, individually at least. Uh, there's a question. Uh, there's a question. Would you do you think you could have been number one if S tag sticked around? And I think that's like uh, pretty obvious that you would say yes. Yeah, or? I mean, yeah, I would say yes. Um, yeah. Uh, it, I mean, we the last tournament we played them, Dreamhack Open Fall. Uh, we played them in the consolidation final. Um, and I mean, if you say that. Um, Maybe they couldn't play their best because they knew Pet uh, no, was leaving. That, maybe uh, I think the question was if you still yeah, had that's yeah, yeah. in, in heroic. I mean, oh, if, yeah. I, oh, oh, that's an interesting question. I think so. Yes, um, I think so. Yes, but oh, yeah, it's a good question. I guess the question is who would who would not come on the team? Yeah. Would it be like Tessis or Nico? I guess. Well, that's the question. I, I, I think we could still be uh, one with the S attack. But I'm not as sure because um, I think Nico and uh, Tess has added a great deal of new energy as well. And sometimes as well, kind of the same maybe that's uh, happening with the um, base now that they lost Nico. Not saying that uh, Patrick was like the star star player of the team. He had, I think, below, he was uh, lower rated than me and Stown uh, with the old lineup. But um, it kind of fuels that fire sometimes. Like sometimes it unites people when you lose a player to a bigger team, right? You're like, fuck, man, we're gonna we're gonna show them. But I don't know. He's he's one of the three best teammates that I've ever had. Uh, so if I had the chance to keep him in the team, I would definitely have def definitely have done it. Who else is on that list? Oh, um, for a long while actually, I think that um, Lame uh, was one of uh, my best teammates. Uh, he was never selfish. He was really good at setting up teammates. Communicating right and so on. Oh, we we talk a lot about this in the team actually. Like, uh, oh, who's your top three? I don't even remember all of the people that uh, 
that I mentioned now, but I think Lomi was one of them back in the days as well. But uh, also Vice, I really enjoyed playing with the uh, Vice in, um, Rogue. in Rogue. Yeah, he was super awesome team, and like I think also one of the things that it's not talked about that much. I mean, not that it's interesting, so f- don't don't talk about it. But uh, in in Rogue, um, I really felt like we had like a family feeling, a, re- a very good team bonding. Um, like also me moving away from home, not having family or friends close. Um, I felt like those players and the organization did a good job at making sure that I felt comfortable uh, living in the US. And that was very important for me, at least. Okay. Um, I, I had a question that I wanted to ask um, about burnout, right? Because that's been a topic that a lot of teams have been addressing in, in recent times. And I know that you're uh, normally a well-considered individual, right? And this is the online era. We don't know how long this is going to last for. But in, in terms of the burnout, do you think that it is... a an actual like, like an actual concern of course it's an actual concern yeah. but do you think it is a, as bad as to what it's kind of um been reported in recent times with you know some teams needing to get a sixth man some teams having players step down for medical leave like is it is it as bad as what it seems i think honestly it might be even worse to be okay. honest um like if if I, if I talk about the players in my team um i feel a little bit sometimes uh, nowadays that they are a bit tired, right? Like not tired of uh, winning and participating in tournaments, but just like overall the energy level is like slowly dropping down. We've also participated in a lot, um, but I don't know, like me myself as well, I've had some day- days where I've had to wake up and normally I'm so pumped when I have to play a game and I've just been like, oh, playing uh, playing North uh, tomorrow can't really be asked, like, honestly, whatever. Uh, let's just win one one or two more games. But then, like, when we, for example, made that lower bracket run for every game, you kind of gain that extra motivation because you're one step closer to the trophy. But I think the duration of some of these online tournaments is um, is crazy. And that's uh, exhausting when you, like, we played 27 maps or 30 maps or something in the DreamHack Open Fall, which is a lot. I think uh, Lerp has tweeted that the most some team had ever played to win a major was what fourteen or something. I'm not something sure. If like it was, that. Yeah, not sure if it was quick, but um, I think um, in a way, like in a way, it's so easy to say to the teams and players, okay, just participate in less, right? But for example, for us, we really want to be the number one team. We want to be it when the year ends, and for that to happen, we need to participate in as many tournaments as possible to keep achieving a lot of points, right? By making uh, good and deep runs. So for us, it's hard to say no to a tournament because we might potentially lose out on the change. Yeah, we might be more well prepared for the next one and do better, but I mean, right now, this is what we're going with. And I think it's tough with the mental situation for, for everyone, but people need to take care. And I think some of the things you've advocated as well, Chad, is just basic principles, right? Eat well, get outside and get some fresh air do physical workouts, all those kind of things. Like, make sure you help yourself as much as possible because at the end of the day, you're the only, you're the only one who's really responsible for your own health. I, I'm just, I, I, yeah, can, I wanted to ask about um, the aftermath of Dreamback Open Fall and how literally the next day, like fucking nine hours later or something, you had to play in the Elisa Invitational. How was that experience? Oh, boy. I mean, fucking hell. We, we end the game at like... Half past one or something. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think yeah. I tweeted that you guys had a game at eleven thirty the next morning or something. Yeah, it was like it was really like nine hours yeah. in between the, those yeah. games. I think. Yeah. So we end like um, past midnight, and we need to get up. We always meet three hours before the game uh, to talk about game plan and videos and warm up and so on. You didn't do that this time, did you? Uh, we actually 
two hours before I think we met wow. at okay. at at uh, we played eleven thirty. We met at nine. Nine. I just nine. want to put yeah. things into perspective, right? You played Apex in the first round. By the way, you lost, but that that's yeah. beside the point. You played Apex not, in the first not round. Not the player, the, 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 yeah, the Norwegian yeah, You team. played Apex, yeah. the player in the grand final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, first and foremost, like, um, Blast can do whatever they want with their invitations, right? But if you look at some of the teams who received invites, uh, who wasn't partner teams, I don't see how we didn't get it. Uh, then yeah. you look at this new Blast showdown, they invited like endpoint and so on. Like, how are we not involved in this? Why do we have to play this uh, stupid ass qualifier 10 hours after a game? Uh, I, I don't like that, but also it's uh, our own fault for, we should have just skipped that tournament. Be happy that we're playing Global Challenge and uh, in DreamHack Masters and so on. We should have never played that qualifier, but I think that some of the players had that feeling like, why are we playing it? And as soon as you do that, it's a bad start. And then we played that game and we lost uh, eight hours after. And the thing is, you end the game 30 minutes past midnight, right? Do you think that after a best of five final, where you've been fully focused for six and a half hours, that adrenaline is rushing, you just won fifth map of an important tournament, do you think you're just going to fall asleep instantly? No. I slept at like three or something. 20 That's what I was saying on three. the show yeah. as well, like right after that. Exactly. And obviously, it's not the optimal preparation. Albeit we did fuck up that game ourselves against him, but we also showed in the second game against Apex who was really in charge, winning 16-4 and 16-2. Yeah, I think that one there, a lot of people could could easily see the, the reason as to why you guys didn't perform to, to the best of your ability. Uh, I think we've got to keep this one moving unless we have any more questions, Prophet Striker. I mean, we have a bunch, but it's like we could go like for seven more hours. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a question about Kenny S, but I guess if we if we get to like G2 later, we can talk about that. All right, perfect. So let's do this. Let's uh, jump to the recent news. We don't have a bumper here, do we, Lucas? We do. Oh, that's right. We do. Play the bumper. All right, we're back, and Katie, and he is almost back. He's just grabbing some water here. We're going to be jumping into the recent news now. For those people who haven't been paying too much attention, uh, there hasn't actually been a crazy amount of news to be digging into. So we're going to fly through the topics we have here today, and then we'll get a bit of a discussion going uh, with the Flashpoint teams coming up very, very shortly. So uh, to kick things off, we may as well talk about Ents because Ariel, uh, he stepped down from the roster as far as I understand. Uh, and we have Ents picking up Doto and Saw from Harvu. Now, if you're not too familiar with those two names, Saw was actually the in-game leader of that squad. He's now gone over to be the coach. Uh, I do believe that Twister is still there within an analyst role. Uh, and he tweeted some nice things about Saw and, and him as an in-game leader. And I saw some other things. Uh, I think Thorin was making a tweet about how uh, Saw was a big part of uh, Harvu's playstyle when they were in Flashpoint for Season 1. And uh, that might be a, a bridging point for this team. So all in all, Katie, and we may as well start with you. In terms of these two names, do you have much knowledge on them or playing against them? Do, you, do they stand out? Do those names mean anything for you going forward? We discussed it a little bit within the uh, team. Uh, about this ends thing. So, so first and foremost, like we all know what the trend was of ends after they lost Alexi B, right? And I think that might still be a concern in regards to the in-game leader role of the team. How consistent are they going to be without a real in-game leader? I know that Elu has a lot of experience. I watched their YouTube content, and uh, after a few tournaments, he dropped the in-game leader role, and um, it was taken over by um, Sunny. Uh, and after that, things has been going a little better. I think that uh, if you look at the pieces, right? Sunny as a rifle is super strong. I'm talking none 
in game leading. Um, I'm not sure how he's gonna fare in, in that spectrum, but not in game leading. I think Sonny is a super strong rifler. I think Sergey is one of the best guys you can put at some of the anchor positions, right? B train and so on. I think Elo is a fantastic opa. He might not have the movement of uh, the young ones and always the fastest reactions, but he's so consistent at the angles and I don't know, some of the clutches he wins, it's insane. And he's just super smart with the AWP, very difficult to play against. So I think that they have three really good pieces. And you add in Yampi to the uh, talk, who's obviously very explosive, very aggressive. We played against him in some practices where I can tell you some of my teammates were whining a lot because the thing is, if he would get a kill in Ivy or something, he would not stop running as a T on train. Like, uh, like he would get the kill. What usually teams do is, okay, 5v4, let's slow down. Maybe let's attack B uh, against the solo defender. He would run backline, CT spawn. Next round, he would uh, use his uh, best spawn to drop down pop and he would be creating a lot of space. So I think Gampi is super strong player but the thing is my concern is um they don't have a real in-game leader and they can't play with yampi for the majors like where does it leave them on a consistent basis right uh, they play majority of the tournaments without a real in-game leader maybe sunny or someone can develop into that and maybe Saul can help but yeah i have some concerns i think dodo is a good player uh, i know that my teammate tessis has a lot of respect for him because they played them a lot in copenhagen flames he said that he has the talent to play on ends um, in Harvo, he had this freaking weird role. I'm telling you, weird, weird role. Where, for example, when they played train, he would lurk every round. There was not a round where this guy would not be lurking. Like, hard, hard lurk. I'm talking get right days, 2013. It was absurd. But, um, yeah, Tessa says that he has uh, a lot of uh, great uh, capabilities. So, I think that Dodo could be a good player for them. Okay, so looking at this here, Prof, uh, and, and hearing that from Katie, and do you think that X7's being pretty hard done by here? Ariel took over his roles, and then X7 doesn't even get the call-up to get his positions back. It is kind of funny, though, that, I mean, he was the guy that they defended for so long, and he was the guy that people would expect it's either him or Ariel being kicked for Sunny when LXCB was still in the lineup, and then somehow now he's not worth it anymore. I'm not, not really sure what what the deal is there but i think this this lineup kind of makes sense even though slowy was always the guy that picked my interest from picked my interest from uh, from havu i i guess this is more of a, a role thing just just to have someone that's going to be capable of playing on his own because from what i got about alexi b and alexi b but uh ariel was a guy that needed a lot of like micromanaging from alexi b and that's why he was successful so I don't know, maybe, maybe, and with Saw, since we're online, he can literally call all the time and maybe get the get the team running on some online games, win some online stuff, and then later see what's going to be going the, on. The thing which is a little bit sad for the Finnish uh, scene, in a way, um, in a way I say sad, but you have the godfather, Alu, right? Um, if you look at some of the biggest prospects in uh, the Finnish scene, you would have said, yeah. "Yeah, you would have said Jampi, right? He um, was so good with the orb in uh, that other team, SJ or whatever. It yep. was a freaking beast." Then you look at uh, like Sorry from Havu, mm. who is by far the best-rated player. He's not young by any means; I think he's uh, 28 or something. But he's like um, 1.7 uh, teen rating, uh, way higher than Dodo and. Um, and Slowy, who we're not now talking about. Obviously, he's an AWP player as well, so there can be some rating in that. And I'm not saying you should just pick the guy with the best rating, but for the Finnish scene, sometimes like they would have probably risked that the next 1.20 star, like for example, when we took Tess as 1.24 from Flames or whatever, they would have probably wished that it was a rifle player. Yeah, and, and also Otto as well. Otto, Otto yeah. as well. Yeah, Otto, even... yeah, yeah, exactly. 
the Dirk Kepps guy that yeah. I think he went on a break now, but he played for Kova or something. Yeah, he was, was also pretty well. pretty strong. But how come they didn't get Joel's? That's what I'm asking myself. <laughs> I, see, I know my HLTV means. That's guys. A, that's <laughs> <a little boy. laughs> um, no, okay. no minced meat to provide for him. So he was like, fuck that shit. Just, just let's put this out uh, to you, Striker, and then we'll move on to the next one. Um, looking at looking at this team and uh, a bit of an air around uh, ents that it's it's uh, alu's team which i think is very fair do you think that these two new additions are actually going to get an opportunity to to uh, reshape the project or is this going to be well great ideas but daddy alu says no which one do you no, think, think is more likely no i think especially with how the england leadership has been changing i think it's pretty clear that ents are kind of have kind of conceded uh, that they just have to kind of bridge this period where they don't really have a real game leader. So I think they're going to welcome like fresh ideas from uh, from those two guys. So I okay. feel like it's not going to be like any authority problem between those two sides. I think it's just going to be a welcome help for um, for Sunny and Alu, you know, to have somebody else to to you know bounce ideas off of and stuff like that. Okay, well, let's keep it moving because we're going to talk a bit about Godsent here. And if you haven't heard the reports, apparently Crystal is on his way out the door and they're testing players to replace him. Now, uh, we had Crystal on the show not that long ago. And if you follow his stat lines, uh, they're not the greatest. But in terms of what he's been able to piece together with this international squad and the type of counter-strike that they play, I think Godsent play a pretty tidy game of, uh, of CS. They have a, a good understanding. But um, is this where you think the, the solution's looking like, Prof, that it has to be an in-game leader change? I mean, it looks like for me, it's the the only thing that I would change in that lineup, right? Uh, other than that, they got an upper. I don't know. Farley didn't really deliver. Hasn't maybe banked. Too, hasn't banked how we expected it, definitely. But he's not bad either. He's just been like an okay player for the team and had a couple of like highlight rounds here and there. But if you want to change anyone, I think it kind of makes sense to do that. But at the same time, I'd rather them not change than change for the sake of changing. Because I'm not sure, I'm not sure this Emmy replacement is any better, especially if we're talking about the firepower side. I know from he probably knows a lot about the game, can call good stuff, but that is the same thing that you have now in Crystal. So why change and just reset stuff? I don't know. I don't know. What do you mean? What do you think, Striker? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that one. Like when I heard that they were replacing Crystal, I thought, okay, it makes kind of a sense. It's literally the only guy that you could look to to replace. I agree with, on that with Prof. Um, just because he's always the guy you're going to look to and, and look to see if you can get an hour firepower upgrade. But then if they're looking to Emmy, it's literally kind of the same same kind of a style of in-game leader. Like we saw him be in the same position with uh, with contact until, you know, he was he was essentially kicked. So it just doesn't really make any sense to me. So it points to more problems in, in Godson and, you know, having some difficulties with, with uh, uh, the relationship with Crystal rather than the the firepower aspect because like i said i just don't see emmy as a as a big upgrade for you katie in here now i don't want to rub any salt in the wounds here mate but you guys did lose to godsend yeah. tour just the other day but that's not the point of the question the point of the question is you obviously do your prep work for this team and when you look at godsend what do you see as the weakness i have a few points some of the ones that you made i agree with and some i don't um so if you look at the team uh like contact when emmy was playing there right um and you compare it to the style of uh, Crystal and Godsend, I think that the contact lineup was way more loose, like uh, with the players they had, right? Ships and Esperanto and so on, just running around, creating space in the defaults and so on, where I feel like uh, Godsend is way more tactical. 
Um, we stole quite a few things from them. They have some really good things, especially on Nuke. They had some good Nuke T side things. Uh, we have a few plays in our team named Sticko plays, which is some of the things that he's produced. So I think that actually there might be a contrast in leadership style. And I'm not sure if it's for the better or for the worse, but I think Amy, I, I mean, when you have ships in this brand show, you might not want uh, to play tactically as well or like maybe they were pushing for a different style so i'm not sure what his fundamentals are like his philosophies is but they i think contact was playing more loose thing is with crystal i think that this team is really good um to talk about the Farley situation i've watched a lot of demos of them where this guy sometimes they play two offs and he's not even gifted the second one like sometimes i don't know what's going on real talk sometimes i see them and then it's sin and madden running around on vertigo with a double orb and Farley doesn't have anything. So I don't know if there's some um, lack of um, trust or a lot of like selfish mentality or whatever, but give your all player the AWP, please, first and foremost. Leftovers from playing with Michael Ella, maybe, who knows? Maybe, yeah, yeah. They did that to Michael Ella as well in the ending. So maybe yeah, they still have that kind of mentality. The second thing is, I think uh, Crystal, um, Okay, so he has like 0.82 or whatever rating, which is really, really bad, really bad at this level. You don't see any anyone else who's below 0.9, I think. So, but the thing is, his rating is pretty well, fairly rated because he's sacrificing a lot for the team uh, with the way he's moving. But I think that's also the downfall of him. There's too many times where he's jumping around corners, um, all these kind of stuff. Where just peak, bro, like. If you jump around the corner, sure, your your star player will get a trade, right? But there's also times where you can just swing and peek him properly, and you'll get the kill. And then your star player can trade on the next one. So I think there's too many times where he wants to create so much space and run around and throw grenades and jump around corners where it's hurting him too much because he's not that bad of a aimer, actually. Um, originally, way back Counter-Strike Source days, he was known for being a good aimer as well. So I think he's sacrificing too much which is both what has made him and the team good because he's creating space with that. But that's also what's going to never make them be top 10. Like, how can you be top 10 with a guy who doesn't shoot anyone? Sure. Yeah, he needs to be a little bit more selfish in his, uh, at least in the game plan or at least in the server. So yeah. I, I think that, look, uh, that would that would probably be the, the go-to of the team here, but I'm not sure if they would, they would probably prefer that, right? Because I'm sure they enjoy the system. They get a lot of space right now. Um, but if we were to spitball some names and throw them around here, uh, I know that Azza was one that I was thinking could be all right for Godsent. Yeah, like, I like that idea. Yeah, in terms of you know having played uh, a bunch of different styles of Counter Strike over the years, it could be an interesting one there. Um, and it's some good pieces on the team, and it would be a firepower upgrade. But I don't know if they would lose a lot of their structure and innovation through Crystal. So it's a it's a double edged sword in, in that whole situation right there. And it's also the bio aspect of it might be a problem because Godson well. is just not a big big organization so to to get well, a player out of 100 thieves even if, if it's a guy who's essentially not in a team anymore might be a problem but while i know that like thinking about it rational like there's no way it would happen but for a while i thought that maybe alex would consider going there um back before all the cloud nine stuff i actually think that could have been a really sick lineup because uh, he's a bit more of a selfish uh, in game leader in some way and with the firepower in the team, if he brought the right structure, I think they could have been a top 10 team with Alex in the team. But um, obviously, thinking about everything and the organizations that wanted to buy in on Counter-Strike, obviously, yeah, Alex has no way that would ever happen. Yeah, yeah. So what yeah. do you think then about Snappy uh, coming there? I mean, yeah. obviously, he's in contact now, and that's they just signed some new players and stuff like that. But theoretically, would that be a good good pick? 
it could be yes and it could be no um because snappy is again a lot about faith and a lot about um i think his style in a way he will listen to the individuals but also he he likes to be uh, things to be run set um and i think that could be either really good for the team or not so good um but i think it would be better than it is now with the with crystal i, I think snappy is a good in-game leader and i think he could bring good things to them but also it's it's a bit worrying to see what's going on over in the contact team because I mean, he's been there for a while now and things hasn't really changed obviously a lot of player changes and so on but uh, i don't know if that's organizational or if it's player managed or whatever but uh, i hope they can find a more stable roster and let's see what uh, what they're capable of because it's been hard, hard to rate them so far well, I think that's nice to jump across to Genji because another team who have been extremely unstable at the moment, or I guess in the last couple of months, would be Genji, right? For those people who aren't too familiar, uh, Dap's no longer part of the team. He's gone over towards Valorant, but he was he was uh, stepped down before he made a decision of where he's going to go. Was he benched or was he did he step down? I forget which way it went. I think he's. I think it was kind of like a, com- a combination mutual, of the two, kind yeah. of. Because he he probably the thought he was a mutual breakup, right? Yeah, and there's something about he wanted to get some players, right? And the organization yeah, didn't yeah, want exactly. to. Yeah, There were some there were some changes that he wanted to make. They didn't really work out with the players. So I think he just felt like, okay, well, if I don't get what I want here, might as well just leave. And yeah. I guess the team was okay with that, just because of the the differences that they had. So. Um, so I'd say it was just one of those situations. All right. So for those who aren't too familiar, they were left with uh, Benta, obviously the import. Uh, they had automatic and they had Kusta. Um, and they had a guy called Sixy standing for them for a little while there while they still had Som on the team. Uh, but Som has opted to go play Valorant. Um, he's a young kid. We spoke about this in a previous show if you want to go and listen to it. But the point is, G for Flashpoint, which kicks off very soon, it's the topic we're about to get into next, have had to pick up players, and they were unable to sign anybody on a permanent basis. They have Exist and Kriaz um, as stand-ins, both Swedes, I believe. Kriaz is yeah. the... Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, Kriaz actually stood in for Fnatic in a pro league season uh, when we were doing it out of Leicester or London uh, last year. Um, so this roster, uh, it's a shit show. I think that's the, probably the best way to put it, right, Prof? It's probably not going to have any success. This is this is not. A, this is just like three players and then two guys. It's literally you go and face it. You can't five find like four more friends. You find two friends and you queue, and that's it. And you get yeah. like two Russian guys, and that's it. I and if, they, if they're fragging, like real you win. Shell, if they don't frag, you lose, and you get insulted all you, the time. You think exists could be real here, Striker? Like I mean, the, just the, just the, like the, a trial type thing, where like, okay, let's just see if, like, in case he's a uh, he's like a good in-game leader, we could pick up if he fits our playstyle and whatever. I could see that happening, in like, you know, if they don't really have another option to um, to pick up, so. Just from a from a role perspective, I think he kind of could make sense if they felt like the it was think, the, he was the right fit. You think they went to exist and then they asked, "Do you know another one?" And then he, said, <laughs> and he talked about Kreas. Or where possible. do you think that came from? I think why not? That because I don't see how how they would get to Kreas in the first yeah. place because he's even been like on like inactive for the past couple of months. He hasn't even played in a real team. Yeah. So it's just it's yeah it's I a think weird place for sure. Maybe right? Yeah, I'm not sure actually. Don't know. It's a it's a it's a weird one, um, and I think from that we may. I think this is the least inspiring. Like it's not a signing, but like addition to a team we had this year. Like I don't know if it's top three for sure. I, I think it's interesting that that there was that report about uh, Genji in talks with Liaz, right? So 
that's that was something that they definitely were looking into, or we, th we think that they were looking into. But at the same time, the trio of uh, of former hundred thieves are looking to sign with Extremum at the at, at um yeah at the same time. So it just could be Ginger having problems with you know figuring out who who they can can buy and who they can't buy, and and this is just a bridging situation where I they mean, just have to play this term over them. It's defend. easy to say, right? But what Ginger should have done is they should have secured two players from the hundred thieves lineup, right? Like uh, yeah, they have, they have they have two Amer Americans already and Benzit, they're living. Like, they should get an I I IGL, obviously Asa. And then, depending on how they want to develop the team, if they get satisfaction, you bring Automatic back to secondary opening or whatever. I don't know how committed he is to the primary opening. I guess could also be too much of, like, secondary opens with Kusta as well, but you get him, or you get Lias, who is really good at playing some of the top positions, or, like, some of you have talked about, you free him up and play him in some more of the star roles, right? And I think that this is the problem with some of the flashpoint situations. Like obviously now we have seen the MIBR play very well at the at the blast tournament, but them coming in as well. Let's say they they were not going to play well, right? Then you would have them like that. You would have Gen G. You would have Contact, who's also just changed players. Dignus yep. has just changed to Envy. I think there's too many teams in the same tournament where you're like, I mean, it's hard to rate because. Yeah, I don't know. I think this it's tournament is like let's let's put it this way. This tournament, um, we can just like shift over to Flashpoint. Yeah, yeah just because I'm just it's kind of the connected. Lucas the link right now. So it's uh... just connected because literally every single par partner team has changed in very recent times. Like Envy is basically like the only one who who have been having the change for a, for a while. I think they've been but didn't play anything. They, yeah, exactly. They actually didn't play any officials. So there's the question of how they. If they even even had the players together, if they even played practice and stuff like that, oh, they probably a... we, we we played them a bit. Okay, Cloud Nine as well practicing hard. Okay, what, so... who, sorry, yeah, Cloud Nine as well. I think that makes, that yeah, makes perfect yeah. sense because yeah. we even knew that they had a boot camp. But it's just like when you look at it, you mentioned Genji. Um, there's also Mad Lions, contacting Task Cloud Nine, MIBR, Envy. Literally, all of these teams have changed lineups in very recent times. So this tournament is just going to be a, a a really chaotic one where we just really don't know what's going to be happening outside of the five that got invited or qualified. So uh, I hope Lucas is going to up on screen. I think he said he does as the, the car horn on the street goes off. Um, look, it, we can go over this here for everybody just so you can all catch up and understand what's happening. Flashpoint, their second season, it's going to be kicking off on the 10th of November. It runs until December the 6th. There's that million dollar prize pool. And if you're not familiar with Flashpoint, basically they have uh, the founding teams who are, who are a part of it. And those are the ones we're just mentioning. But this is all the squads in attendance. Obviously, big, OG, Fnatic. Uh, we got VP and Fours coming through the closed qualifier. We've got uh, Gen.G, Mad Lions, Contact, Dignitas, Cloud9, MOBR, and Envy. Now, we were just going over those names. So if you can just scroll up a little bit, Lucas, everybody will be able to see the group. So it's broken up into three separate groups here. There's 12 teams. If you guys can do the math, that's four teams per group. It's pretty basic, pretty simple, pretty easy to wrap your head around. Um, but one of the coolest parts about all of this is the potential storylines that can come out of these teams. Now, having the likes of Fnatic, having the likes of OG, um, and, and I think obviously Big coming into this, a lot of people would be looking towards those as some of the favorites to make deeper runs in this event. So maybe let's go through it group at a time. We'll tackle some of these storylines. We're going to let Katie go in about 10 minutes because uh, he's got a prac to get to. But we'll just quickly run over as many of these as we can and we'll continue the show. Um, I'm just so going to say something. I'm just going to repeat something that I said on Twitter. And uh, I, I think, I don't know if this was the the line of thinking at all, if they, if they asked some, uh, some of these better teams or some of the top five teams, like a Vitality or like an Astralis or whatever. 
Um, but I well, think if this was intentional, it, this, it was a very good trio of teams to invite just based on the fact that they aren't actually like the best team that, that would come into the tournament and immediately be the obvious favorite, like an Astralis or, you know, like a Heroic or like a Vitality, you know? So I think they actually ended up picking up three teams that are like not good enough to be like a massive favorite at any tournament that they go into, uh, to, to be like a good baseline for the teams that, are, that have just changed lineups, you know, to test themselves against. So I like think it. it's just a good combination. Well, we can but, check. Teddy, did you get asked? Um, I don't know too much about all that, to be honest. Not, okay. not really my nice, side of the Nice team. political answer. I like it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Prof, what were you going to say? I just want to say that like, they're very good, but beatable teams. Exactly. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, I guess we let's start with Cloud9. You said you practiced them. Uh, give us the give us the lay down. Well, I can, I can talk about a little bit of, about the teams we played. Well, I think Cloud9 is actually looking good. Um, I think they're looking better than I was expecting uh, throughout this short time. But then again, I think also one of the things you have to consider is when you play a new team. So. First and foremost, we don't know the positions of the players. We don't know the tendencies. We never played these guys before, right? Running around with weird names in a practice game, and we don't know who is who and who's holding what, all those kind of things. If you kill two guys on the side and the guy who's normally defending there, you'd be like, oh, this guy's still alive. Those kind of things you can't do, right? And then they practice some things, and the question is, how much will they practice? Is the entire strat book going to be revealed after one or two official games or whatever? I'm not sure. But the thing is, I think they've been playing really good. Um, actually, um, a big surprise for me, this Messi guy, Messi, Messi, I don't know what he's called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, probably been the best player in the two or three practice games we played against him so far. So that, I was very surprised because um, I didn't have too high expectations when uh, it was announced or when playing them. But uh, so far, he's been the best player. So let's see. Uh, that's already going up pretty sure, pretty soon, according to Henry G. That's what he said, right? Yeah, if if yeah. he plays well, salary goes up, and his his salary is like one fourth of as attacks so but as attacks is also quite high <laughs> like like uh, considering messi's uh, current achievements he still has a very very good contract yeah yeah uh, i yeah, agree for sure so, i think everyone in like his his position would sign that like immediately but let's just look at the group that they're in then group c right cloud nine immediately have a very tall task against Virtus pro oh. now kadian having probably practiced against both of those names who would yeah. you favor going into that one Virtus pro for sure um actually they have just been on an 18 or 19 best yeah of they were three. sick they were looking sick 18 or 19 best of three winning streak uh yeah they played a lot of uh, like below top 30 teams to 50 teams but they also beat navi twice um if you look at their ratings, um, I think all of them, other than Sanji, is like 115 or something. Like yeah. uh, James, they've got is 124 or something. But uh, yeah, I mean, they have four players who's currently on fire and they have built some momentum. I think this Yekinda guy is an amazing signing. Like Yekinda and then bringing back Booster, it's a genius move, honestly. I think Yekinda, Booster and um, Kigat is three of the best rifles, uh, rifle players that the CIS region has to offer. Definitely the uh, three of the ten best players from that region, in my opinion. Then you have Jame. We all know Jame, right? Like uh, he's going to be annoying with that orb. He's gonna have it when you don't expect it, because this Jame guy has been running around with the MP9 or Sanji guy has been running around with MP9 for three rounds. Small Kevlar smoke, saving up bank to drop to the to the grand godfather Jame. Uh, so yeah, Sanji, who's I think Sanji is an instrumental piece because he's sacrificing so much for the team. 
Sanji one day could potentially have a star player role and actually perform very well in another team. But yeah, they are my favorites uh, for that matchup. But I think Cloud9 could surprise. This is not like an 80-20 kind of thing. It's a 60-40. Okay, what about if they were to face off against OG? We won't really get into the mix about Genji because we touched on how much of a shit show that's going to be. But OG is like always a bit of an anomaly as well. How do you think they're going to fare up against the Cloud9s of the world? Good question. I think a lot of OG is also about preparation. Um, actually, in a way, I think sometimes that uh, OG can be one of the most difficult teams to play due to Alexi B's in-game, uh, in-game leading style. He's flexible. He knows when to call things at the right times and so on. Um, one one team, it's a bit controversial, but one team I could see not doing as well as we expect is maybe Fnatic. Um, I mean, they're not known for preparing a lot, so and you can't prepare a lot for these teams, so that is not where I'm going to uh, like put my point but i think playing some of these lower ranked teams especially online Fnatic hasn't been looking good online for quite a while so i think they could get upset but by some teams probably not dignitas and so on but i think they just have they have a pretty good uh, group though at least to get a top two out of for sure yeah they have like uh, because contact is a really yeah. new team dignitas same thing that they just they just changed players so i think there's yeah, a very good right. chance that they, right. they, they, they actually have a, a dream group i think in a way like uh, dignitas is probably on paper together with Envy the worst team, right? Um, I would say that the individual fire, it's hard to say, like Forest and Hellsoy could, could pop off, but I think some of the teams that could be difficult for Fnatic to play is is uh, like some of the Mad Lions, um, Force, VP, those kind of things. Um, obviously, that's also in the middle of the pack kind of teams, right? But yeah. So if we take a look at uh, Group B, did you say that you had been practicing against Envy? Yeah, we practice against them quite a, a lot actually for the past two two or three months. Like I don't know, sometimes when Nifty has been playing as, as well with Hyping and the others has been in Europe, we, we played them a lot. Um uh, it's hard to rate them. Obviously they're practicing against us and we have been having a lot of form lately. Uh, I think there's moments of brilliance, but there's also halves where they just get completely shattered. So I'm not really sure where to rate them. I think um so essentially, yeah. you've been beating them hard in practice. Is what I'm well, getting out of this. Not not all not not in all of them, but but I think that it, that that organization has handled the the recent Counter Strike team not as good as they potentially could have. I mean, maybe depending on the money that they want to spend, it's been good. I don't know, but from an outside perspective, Envy has been one of the biggest brands, right? And they have a spot in the flashpoint, so I would expect them to potentially be able to attract uh, better players than what they have. With that being said, I think that Mitri and Kalix at the time was like two kind of Mini, uh, mini prospects. I mean, everyone knew about them, and maybe it should have been done like one or two years earlier from other teams, but they were like the best riflers of uh, their respective teams back in the days, right? Uh, Akalix was not far from Centaurus in level, and Amitra was... Uh, for a long time, yeah. For a long time before VP was like such a fucking beast, right? So, yeah. Okay, so who else we got in this group here? There's uh, Fours. We know that they have good and bad form. It, it's very strange when Fours perform badly. This group is going to be so weird, man. Yeah, and then there's MIBR. Obviously, they made a really big splash at Blast, and I think people liked that whole storyline. And obviously, there's so much hype because of the fan base behind this team, and and it and worked. They're also pretty hyped. Yeah, considering, I, like just the yeah the face cams and all of that that we saw. That's what we've been missing for a little while, right? Obviously, heroic and Cadian and and uh, like Blame F and and the, you know those kind of individuals are getting hyped when they're winning trophies and shit. But to see these guys taking it up against you know obviously Furia, they beat Furia over uh, there in Blast and had some close games. Um, that there's there's obvious hype there. But do do we see longevity in the teams? Is this a team you've practiced, Cadian? Yeah, we actually practiced, practiced them two or three maps yesterday or the day before. Okay, recent history. Nice. Yeah, 
Uh, and I was like, uh, okay, was it just a one-off in the blast? What was the deal? I actually think they played really good against nice. us in practice. Um, I had very small, slim hopes as well for them when I saw the lineup announced and so on. But I think they're playing really good right now. They have uh, some players who's willing and ready to take chances when the opportunity is there, which is difficult to play against, especially in this online era. So I think that uh, they're doing good. I think they could actually be surprising us quite a lot. Um, also, one of the things uh, which is beautiful about them right now is the passion that uh, which they are playing. So. Please don't underestimate the power of that when you play, especially during this online period. Like you see some of the teams um, who's won a lot, right? The, this fist bump, uh, or like it, it looks like they don't care, and maybe they don't, maybe they do. I don't know. Uh, in the finals, I always see people being energetic and so on. But I'm talking like some of the group stage games, like the first opening games. You see these guys when they win a map, they're li lifting chairs and um, screaming and hugging each other like it meant the world, right? And I think that kind of passion. It's very important when you um, play during this online period that you make sure that you're still in it for the right reasons and that you're still here to win. You can only eat what's served, and at the moment it's online CS, so make sure to get the most out of it. That's one of the things, right? When KNG joined MIBR, I thought that he was going to bring that and revitalize the others, but it, it must have been a tough task to kind I think of, you know, pull everybody to that level. When you think about like, how could Fallen get excited about winning like a group stage game, like a map, group stage yeah. maps on online in Blast against like, okay, maybe against Furia because that there's kind of a rivalry, but even against Astralis, they are not even the top one team now. They are just they are a very good team, but it's not like you beat like the, the the untouchable Astralis or some shit. And these guys were like winning one map in overtime after like seventy eight rounds. It's like the best thing that ever happened in their lives. Yeah, it can't be that. For, it just can't be because you won two majors back to back. You won all of these events, MVPs, top five in the world as a player. You can't get that excited about. It. I I think it's just impossible. I mean, maybe you can, but it's it looks dumb even from from a like a viewer perspective like why is this guy getting so excited he's just like one one map and then if he, he loses the series like haha fucking loser why'd you get so excited blah and this works for the new mibr i think that's uh, that's nice it's i think like, it's i don't yeah, know about you but i feel like it's an interesting matchup with big just because big will have obviously gotten a chance to watch them at uh, at blast now so it's not going to be and they are a team that that likes to prepare a lot for opponents uh, specific opponents big so at the same time, though, I, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to handle the kind of unpredictability that uh, that I might be able to bring. It's just a curious match. That's going to be a cha chaotic match. Yeah. Like, like big are now playing this. They're not the the gobby big anymore. Uh, they're playing pretty aggressive, pretty, pretty like n no respect in some regards, but like smart no respect, right? They're just going to push two guys and B with the bomb while they are fighting A on Mirage. So that's they like their... to group up a lot. Yeah, do there's like small like I don't know groups on the map but there, there's also like the storyline i kind of died now with with fallen not being there in gobby but big did beat mibr in like two or three key matchups during the years starting with like krakow with the jump bug thing then we had like cologne where Jesus, they eliminated them and th there's a couple there's a kind of like a rivalry and of course the 7-1 germany brazil so Sure. Always, well, always, <laughs> always exciting. Well, let's do this because I want to let Katie go. He's got a scrim to go and play. So, Katie, first of all, flashpoint. Who's going to win it? Who is going to win it? I am going to say that the final is going to be between. I'm going to be a little controversial, but not too much. OG and VP. 
Okay. And uh, I'm going to go VP to take it. All right. I like that there. So we've got our soundbite for social media now because we're going to let you go. Is there anything that you want to say to the people at home, the fans? You want to call Glaive out? You want to do anything like that? Yeah. So basically, Glaive, um, first, no, <laughs> you just thought for a second, huh? Um, uh, thank you so much for inviting me. I mean, you guys invited me quite a few times. So uh, yeah, it was about time that I accepted it. <laughs> I mean, th this literally, we invited you before before you went to went to FBX. Yeah. That was the the plan was like, oh, after the main after the minor, we'll yeah. do it. And then like everything exploded. Corona, FBX fell through, you kicked Snappy, like everything changed. So it was uh it was a long wait. Yeah. I mean, thank you for inviting me. I uh, hope to be back soon soon someday. Um hope you guys at home enjoyed it. Lovely show as always. Uh, stay here for the rest of it. Uh, make sure that you beat them if you still I mean, did you remove that part of the program where We're working I... on a new quiz. Okay, okay. Working on a new one. The quiz was good, right? Twitch has uh, Twitch had too clever basically. But uh, yeah, if you guys want, you can follow me on uh, instagram.com kdncs much appreciate those followers in there you know that's the media that attracts all the girls you know that's instagram fuck twitter guys he's right Bullshit. on when i get back on broadcast on tuesday i'll make sure they have my instagram handle up there and not my twitter one all right thank because you, it's not your opinions that matter right that's the one all right thank you very much katie for joining us we're going to let you go right now we're going to continue the discussion so i'll let lucas handle all that shit in the back end with the changing of the boxes and the voices and the muting and all that kind of shit so we're going to keep going and uh, we were just talking about Flashpoint. Now, we got who Kadian thinks, guys, is going to be in the final, OG and VP. Um, who do you think is going to make the final striker? Who are you looking at here as a team to go for deep runs? Is it just going to be the invited squads? I do. Like, after what uh, what uh, Kadian said about Mezzi, you I don't know if you the, remember. The Henry G. I don't know if you remember that, but I was saying that if Mezzi is the guy that Henry takes him to be, then this team is going to be good. That's what I said, like, two shows ago or a show ago or something yeah. like that. And if he's the best, if he's obviously this is practice and stuff like that, who knows if that's going to be replicated in officials or whatever. But obviously, it's not a, not such a big difference between practice and online games um, in general. So I'm kind of willing to take a massive stab and, and say that, that that Henry is actually going to get his dream and at least you know have a shot at winning winning Flashpoint. Okay. Um, I kind of liked the the OG and Virtus Pro shout for sure. Just because OG, I think, have been rising steadily. They're still kind of that same inconsistent side, but I don't think that's been showing as much in the recent times. So I kind of like them uh, for, a, for a potential spot in the in the final as well. I mean, if I have to, yeah, if I have to say two names, I'm just going to say OG Cloud Nine. Fuck okay. it. Okay. I think the, the the VP angle is a bit a bit overdone. I think they're pretty good, but they didn't really prove themselves. Even on this, not on this level of the group stage, but if we talk about the top six, top this eight level teams, of -strike, yeah. yeah, if the top six and eight teams in Flashpoint are going to be pretty good, so I think they don't have it to like maybe, maybe get to the final, but I, I don't think they will win it. I, I think it's like big, pretty consistent, pretty consistent. Still had like group stage exits, as did every team practically in this era, and I'll, I'll just say OG. And then wait for them to disappoint, and then be like, "I should have, I should have known." But let's uh, let's say big energy. Okay, uh, I look. I know that I I kind of agree with the sentiment that it is a little bit overblown to be predicting VP to to win this tournament. But the reason that I 
was thinking a similar scene is because I think that it's been really good stepping stones for them since the introduction of, uh, well, the reintroduction of Buster and the introduction earlier in the year of Yakinda is if you look at the matches that they've played, and obviously that leads into what Katie was saying just before in terms of the stepping stones um, uh, or the lower tier teams as part of that spree of best of threes they had. But I look at it like they have had an opportunity now to, imagine they've gotten in the swimming pool and they've gotten into the shallow end, right? So they're in the shallow end, you get a chance to have Yakinda integrated into the team, Buster is not there at the time you got Adren maybe learning a couple more things there's not as much pressure you know Adren's going you know Buster's coming back in so that's all good so you get the, the integration time communication all that bullshit going then you start taking baby steps you're playing in some of these lower tier tournaments you're going up and up the ranks right and then then they play within that um uh which event was it the CIS that's the one the the CIS the Arab uh, the IM New York and then the, then they had the big boy task of playing against some of the more established names in their own region so they're hungry to win because it's their own region it's the Navi's of the world they pick up two big wins against Navi and then now that they've qualified for this I think when you look at it here the, I think the biggest uh blocks for them to get over would have to be OG and of course big but I think that this isn't vitality. It's not heroic. It's not Astralis, right? It's, it's none of those names in the mix. So I think like as a gradual step in, I'll go as far as saying I think VP can make the grand final. It just depends on their opponent, right? So if I had to pick blindly, um, who I think was going to win, I, I I think I would go with, with Big because I don't think they're done yet, right? Like I, I think that they've kind of just had some up and down results, probably still have an opportunity to find their, find their feet. So I'd, I'd probably go with Big there. Um, do we want to dig into anything else really with Flashpoint before we go to playtime? Let's go to playtime. All right, Lucas, let's go to playtime, mate. All right, we're back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We're going to touch on a couple of things, recent results that have been happening uh, around the blocks now. If you haven't been paying attention, Blast just finished. They had their uh, groups going down. I think we had, uh, was it OG, Vitality, and G2? They all topped their respective groups, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yep. And then we've obviously had Beijing, which has started. There's three days of that. Today's a day off, and then we get back underway tomorrow. Um, so I, I guess the standouts would have to be, and we'll start this one with you, Striker, uh, G2 with Nico, pretty good debut. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was I was saying this in the preview that literally with this edition, G two became went from like a really disappointing performer to a title contender, and I think we saw we saw in the group that that's at least close to the truth because they really looked uh, good. They even looked, they even didn't look like they had a new player, right? They they just looked pretty well rounded in general. And Nico, it was pretty clear what Nico was supposed to bring to the team, especially on the CT side, and what how he was looking, how he was saying that. He's going to bring a bit more, he didn't say this exactly, but a bit more unpredictability to the, their CT side because he, he is the one taking a lot of initiative and stuff like that, you know, on Mirage mid being the one who's controlling there and, and helping and um, trying to get help from the others, being aggressive around that, those areas. And that's pretty clear on all, all the maps. So I think I just really like the addition. I, I think it's been showing. Now, that's not my main talking point here on this one, Prop. It has to be about the fact that they won that event or they won that group stage with Amanek, but the conversation is that they're going to be trying both Amanek and Jax. Doesn't it become pretty difficult to, to uh, have Jax come and play now when you've had such a good result? Amanek, I didn't look at his... Like, I know his stats were like 14 really rating good. or something like that. I want to say that it didn't look at, like, is this literally his best event with G2? It Ooh. could be, like, from my kind of thinking of 
against who they played and all of these other factors in the team that they have, like the international roster. I don't think he ever had a better event than this. And in, in that, like, wise, it's the third third best. Yeah, and changing some of his like rules and stuff like that. I think this was fucking amazing from him. Like, I mean, it's his best I, this year. Yeah. Yep. I was I was saying that I was leaning towards Amanek maybe being the guy that's staying on, and I with this performance, I think we all saw that he definitely can be good. Like, there's no no doubt that he's in like a possibility for to stay in this. Is it's up to Jax to when he gets his shot to be like even better. But I think that's super hard to to actually deliver. Do they give Jax a shot at this event though, Prof? uh what what are they playing they're playing beijing. beijing i think they do because also i think niak the the manager of g2 uh, tweeted something like don't worry Jax will be back soon so either this or the next one but but surely he will get the chance i don't see them just because of like two three good good matches from almanac just say okay now nah, never mind let's forget about Jax ever existing i don't think that would be fair to to that guy either even though the bar is so fucking high that I don't know what you need to do to deserve it. Like, is he gonna be like pressured to go like too far in what he's doing instead of like just doing his role? I don't know because Amanek was fucking insane. Yeah, and Amanek likes that Mac Ten, right? So opening up space on a lot of those entries there, he looked right at home. Uh, so just, we... just, just a touch on G two. Like before this tournament, there they won like in the last two months they won two best of threes or some shit like that. It was, really it was, it was fucking awful. Like, and it really went under the radar because it's like, ah, it is this, just won this tournament here and that's just this unimportant pro league group stage. And then you look at it, it's like, everything's red. Yeah. What the hell is going on? So I, I guess it's understandable with the, with the roster change coming in and everyone being aware. And it's like, what the fuck is going to happen with the team? But I was... Uh, yeah, definitely a needed uh, change for G2 to stop the sinking. Well, we can quickly flick from uh, one bunch of Frenchmen being subbed in and out to the next. That's Vitality, who managed to pull off the six-man roster cohesively, uh, and they've even been able to do it in Beijing uh, in one of the series. They didn't do it uh, the other day. They they didn't have Nivera step in because the maps uh, didn't allow it or permit it, right? So for those who need a little bit of a catch-up, Vitality added Nivera as a six-man. That screams brother uh, from Heretics. And he plays on Dust 2 for Masuta on the CT side towards the B-bomb side. And he plays for Inferno for Shocks. Shocks. Um, Now, that's all the places uh, that we've seen him playing in the squad right now. But at least statistically speaking, Striker, it it seems to be working. Yeah. I mean, he's been performing pretty well from what I saw, at least. Um, I didn't see him in the Spirit game. They played Spirit, I think, right? They, in the first in Beijing the Spirit, game. Well, yeah, he played when they were against Spirit, but in yep. their second series, uh, he wasn't needed. There wasn't the, the, the match yeah, they were playing against right, FaZe, sure. so it was just a standard roster when they lost to FaZe. Yeah. Um, it's just curious about how how they came up with this in the first place, because it's just... Obviously, you would think that he is like a replacement for Masuda, or at least for one specific player, right? And not for like two different guys on two different maps. That's the curious part about about this whole thing for me, just because you would expect players to have like relatively similar roles on all maps, at least, you know, obviously not completely, but uh, tends to be the case. So for him to just step into like different different players on different maps is just weird to me in, in the first place. So I'm just curious about what what the thinking process even is. Uh, behind that, but clearly it's been it's been okay at least because they I think they won 
but they won the spirit series they lost the first map that they played with Nivera, but then they lost the second one uh, then they won the second one i think i think they two owed spirit didn't they yeah, yeah. Uh, that, I mean, you're uh, talking I mean, about uh, uh, in Blast, uh, Blast the first yeah, map exactly. he played. Yes, yeah, yeah. The, he he lost the first map, then they brought him brought Misuda back. Won both the maps that the that he played and stuff like that. But it's just it's surprisingly been okay. Yeah, it, I think it, it's uh, from from the tweet longer. I just went to, to find it. It's yeah. interesting what the coach wrote. He said. Team will make substitutions mid-series depending on the map, blah, blah. It will allow some players to rest on training days. And then the brackets, very few until the end of the year. So from how I understand this, he's saying they will have very few training days training days until yeah. the end of the year. So I guess their approach is like, okay, on these days, we won't we will practice, I don't know this map and this map and so shocks isn't needed so he can get a day off and then these days we'll the, practice these maps and whatever because he he only subs in for shocks on inferno and he only subs in for masuta on dust too so it's like uh, but i guess they just practice like one map that day and they have like i don't know talks before and after or maybe they just play two they could still play dust two and inferno it, and just have them like do a drop no actually not no never then mind. they don't yeah. get a day off right yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 i asked right. apex about it on broadcast i was like so we haven't seen you play mirage yet does that mean you're gonna get a break on this one like jokingly because i know that he's the in-game leader he's not gonna get a break and um that is what he said it's like yeah as the in-game leader uh, there's no positions that you know he's gonna be vacating so um I don't think it even really tackles the the key part of burnout in my mind. If anything, what it does is for the players, it means, okay, so Masuda, you don't have to worry about Dust2 for now. And uh, Shock, you don't have to worry about Inferno for now. So forget the smokes, forget the flashes, forget your positions, forget all that bullshit. You don't even remember the strats for those maps. Um, uh, so I, I, I like the way that they're doing it. But the problem is it means that everybody still has to be involved. I don't see yeah. a way that they can have it so that people aren't involved because it's not like yeah. what we felt like Astralis were going to do, event at a time using a different player. Um, so it, it's it's weird. I, I actually kind of don't hate it, um, like especially their Inferno CT side. Like I love the changes they made. Like Zywoo now is the Deddy B player. Apex gets to play in Flux and set him up and then leave him. It's like, okay, you're not going to lose B or you're not going to lose B without at least a kill and a half from Zywoo, maybe even two. You move RPK over towards Pit to be a, a bit more of an anchor player with Masuta. Those two, they just get to sit and wait. And then you have Nevera, the new guy, who's orping over towards Arch side, and he gets to be a bit more in flux. And I was like, that that, that works a lot better than the way they had it before. Shocks was A. The guy has ants in his pants at the best of times. He's fucking rotating here, there, and everywhere. RPK on B with Apex. They're getting overrun probably, I don't know, like at least 40% of the time on holding that site. Um, Zywoo having to play rotation between Arch, cheating over towards B to help those two, leaving A, and then fucking Masuda and Shocks are caught out of position. Like, I like this new... For example, that map specifically, I like it a lot. I think it's great. Um, but I don't think it makes the workload any less. Uh, I think it probably makes it harder for Apex as an in-game leader to now have to have new players and what are they capable of and stuff. So uh, Apex has really impressed me, though, if I'm going to be honest. I, 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 wasn't, I didn't think that he would not have... Um, not have the merit to be an in-game leader. I didn't think that the, that the way that he would be leading a team would necessarily work from the play style, but he's adapted yeah. that. And I think they've done a fantastic job. I think that they went from being like quite a scrimmy team to now quite a regimented team with a lot of good ideas. So like the fact that the fact that with him leading, they're still being being this mega consistent team that basically like went out of groups in one one event in this entire online period. I think that's in, incredibly impressive from Apex. Yeah. Obviously, 100%. you can put a lot of that to Zyvo and him just being a fucking madman every single time that he plays. 
Uh, and obviously that's going to have an impact if you have a guy who literally just carries you every single game or almost every single game. He went missing then... against FaZe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but obviously they lost that, so yeah, this well, just didn't work. Um, but I, I mean, I, it's just it's just very impressive that with with him at the front, um, they're still being uh, being consistent. I I wouldn't mind now pivoting from that to talking about FaZe. Obviously, we're going to go between Blast and Beijing here, just a little bit back and forth. But uh, for those who weren't paying attention, FaZe have actually, they were the first team to qualify for the playoffs in Beijing. Uh, they beat OG in a three-map affair, and then they beat fucking Vitality 2-0. And Brokey is having an absolutely fucking huge performance over those games. Like, he's going nuts, Prof. Did you, did you catch what he's putting down? I think Brokey is like the definition of what on the forums they call an op abuser. He's just okay. like, he doesn't look like he's doing that much. He's just like getting one kill here, getting two. He's just like holding this angle, getting a free kill here. It's like, oh, this isn't even skill. It's just like anyone can do this. But he's doing it like for 60 kills in two maps and like dying five times, not five times, but still. It's uh, it's pretty sick, but I think that that overpass game that they played it was fa uh, phase vitality. I think Rain was the key player there. He won them literally like three or four key rounds. The pistol, yes. like a four the spy, rounds. and yeah. then and then maybe like like two or three kills in a key round and like in a four v four situation that just turned around the the whole game for for phase and that and with that being that like it should have been an easier cleanup on both maps definitely like apex won a 1v4 to push mirage into overtime which shouldn't have happened of course so yeah it was a it was a good game overall I think what this spells, and this is where I want to take it to you, Striker, is uh, now Nico's gone, and then the narrative from Olaf when I had him in the post game interview. Obviously, for those who aren't familiar, Olaf is now back in the roster after five months. Uh, he said in the post game interview that Rain approached him to see if he wanted to play, and he had other offers to play for teams or standard or whatever. And um, he was happy to help out the boys in this regard. But the the narrative is we're having fun, um, and he also yeah. said that there's more room. Does that? Does that mean that, like, well, what do you take from from those kind of comments? Uh, I mean, it's just pretty clear that um, they're not going to be mega serious considering the situation. Just they literally lost the guy who's who's been in game leading them for a while. The guy who's basically been better. their star player. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 of course. I'm going to get to that. I'm not sure that you can say that they're playing be like better than what. Okay, well, they're winning. They're, but they won with Nico as well. It's not like <laughs> they won true. fucking they IEM New York. New York. I think yeah. they. They really just had like a shit. Well, obviously a shit started with Kirby, but then like there was just that, like okay, well Nico's leaving, so might as well just have fun. They won again, so I think I don't think it has anything to do with Nico. It's just the the lack of a entire lack of a pressure, um, and them just you know having kind of like a semi honeymoon period. Cool. I don't think this is gonna be this is gonna be uh, there's gonna be any longevity longevity to this. Do you think Olaf sticks around? I don't know. I have no, honestly you no have idea. It's like a stab in the dark. If they let's say they they go deep here, uh, let's say that they even win it and qualify for the global challenge. I mean, if he, if they qualify for the global challenge, I imagine he's going to stay. Well, there you go. That's uh, that's that that could be something to look out for. Here to see I, what I think it's just entirely dependent. I think it's just entirely dependent on who they can get. If they can't get anybody good, like they might as well just stick with Olaf. Why not? He's an experienced player. He's going to be able to do whatever he, they they need him to do. Like he's going to be a fine fine player to to fill up the spots that uh, they need him to. So I don't think I don't think it's necessarily a problem for them to keep him. But if there's going to be an opportunity to pick up somebody better who fits whatever idea Kozia has in his mind to 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 have this team function as, 
then sure, then my, why not just keep him? The only thing that I don't dislike about this narrative is like, it's fine. Like, okay, Nico left. There's more room on, on the team for other players. That's what I said would happen as well. It did happen because it, it's logical. Kirby is now playing connector on Mirage, not playing B. Olaf is playing B with Broki. And I, I, I don't know. I don't even know what the fuck these tournaments are. I, I like everything is one tournament now. Yeah. But there there is that situation where we're talking about like their Mirage B hold being the worst, like like Brokey, Coldzera, uh Kierby, just like three men can't hold anything. And now with just like Brokey and Olaf, it was amazing. So you can see that the cohesion is just more it's just more natural with types of players they are that they can play off of each other. Uh but what I would want to say is the narrative that they are now better than they were. They definitely didn't prove that yet. Like they, with the whole, all of the Nico shit, the worst they were ranked was like 12th or 13th or something. And getting into the playoffs in IM Beijing Europe doesn't prove that they're better than that, right? Even if they win this, this is just one event, but they, okay, if they win it, then then fair. They finish in the finals, okay. But like just getting to the playoffs, I think that doesn't prove much, right? That is more or less where they were before. Okay, well, I think we can continue the playoff conversation because Complexity were the other team who have already made it into the playoffs. Now, uh, Complexity have just added JKS. They had a bit of time with him before Blast. Blast didn't go great. They had a decent showing against Vitality. They had a win against FaZe, uh, and then they had losses to Big, I believe it was. Coming into this, they picked up their opening series in close fashion to Fnatic, and then they were able to take down Na'Vi in a three-mapper yesterday. Uh, Strike, have you seen much of their games? I saw the first one. I didn't see the Na'Vi one. But the Navi one, they were tested a bit more. Nuke was their map choice, and they I'm going to say they shot the bed a little bit on that one. They didn't look overly competitive. It was a 16-10 scoreline. Uh, then on overpass, which was Navi's pick, they were able to, to bounce back. I don't know if that was a punish, because JKS not playing a lot of overpass in his career. Uh, and then they finished up on Mirage, where uh, they were able to close things out 16-12. to 12. But um, I mean, from what I saw in the first game against Fnatic, it was just like basically config being a god on inferno yes um especially on the ct side that kind of pushed them over the line i think that was a bit that was the biggest part of it i can't even um, believe they played inferno that's insane to me yeah that 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 whole that whole the decision was interesting to me for sure just because obviously they haven't played inferno for like three months before that so or like two months i think so i feel like this was just an like a punish not a punish but like Flame have basically used the opportunity that that Fnatic play this map a lot. I think that's by far their, their most played map, but not not like immensely successful. It's not like they're the the home map that they always win. Um, so I think it was just a, kind of that thinking where Complexity might have just started picking up Inferno, but considering Fnatic have so much to to you know that you can scout, uh, that you can just pick it into them and and be mega prepared for that one time that you decide to let it through. So it could be just that. Actually, I don't know what how they how they uh, vetoed in the second match now. Um, did they still leave it through or not? Uh, against Navi, I think they banned it. They banned it in the second. No, Navi banned it in the second round. They even let it through still. Well, they would have so, removed us too against Navi. They removed Train. Okay, curious. I I fucking did the segment. I can't even remember. It was only a yeah. day ago. Uh, no, I did. Well, that's the interesting. I guess I guess they just feel more comfortable in Inferno now with JKS. Not that now that they've uh, um, now that they've had some practice with him. Yeah, well, their B defense was blaming JKS. I think that's pretty strong. Um, but that's some JKS of... was also good on the CT side at the first, at least. I don't, I wasn't paying attention too much to him he later. He cooled off. He cooled off as the game went on. But yeah, in the early stages, he was having a bit of impact. He had those three P two fifty kills uh, to oh, get yeah, them going yeah, against big, Fnatic big and Banana. Yeah, um, and then Config had some 
amazing rounds. Uh, Crims had some amazing rounds. It was it was a really good game that series. It was a really the Inferno especially was just really good. Um, I'm trying to think. So, prop in this, do you see the potential of complexity, or do you think it's a little bit overhyped? Because I'm definitely looking at it through rose-colored glasses. Like I think this team is going to be fucking sick. But do you think there's like truth in that? Do you think they do have that potential? I honestly did not watch them as much as other teams from, yeah. from like this these couple of games that they played with jks i know i watched like maybe like two matches so i i can't really draw any conclusions that i didn't have before right okay it's like jks is obviously not going to have as much skills as he did before just because he's in a different completely different constellation but looking at just the, the stats and the score lines and nothing seems too bad to me and nothing like screams okay this is shit i think it's just it will take a bit of time for him to to work in this kind of a system which is as you said completely different to 100 thieves uh what about astralis with zipex coming back into the team kind of felt like back to business as usual for his first event back not not bad right striker uh, yeah i mean he was back to clutching i think he had the, he had the most clutches in the in that tournament uh at the end so i feel like yeah just feels like he's 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 doing fine i want to let the record show i paid my debt to prof that is true i did get uh did get the money for the bet that zipnix is gonna play even in before he played even before you actually believed astralis when they said something on twitter so it's weird right yeah you you think you'd you'd learn but i didn't really decide what to do with it i wanted to buy like a knife in cs since i'd never had a knife i was like always too cheap to throw money on like yeah buy a knife might, I might do that. That take will some, also take some user suggestions. And I get got the new mouse from our sponsors, Extrify. So I'll get plug in the new new mouse, new keyboard, get the new knife. That's like plus five hundred Elo in like a week. I expect probably lose uh, all your face at games. Probably. Okay, so do we have any other teams that we want to kind of touch base on here from those events, or do we want to wrap this one up? We didn't we... really talk about Furia, but that's true. But that's a team that we can talk about. Next, Next week. week. Okay, so this is something that I want to talk about for all the viewers playing at home. Uh, I guess we'll wrap this one up now. But next week, uh, we are discussing, and I think we'll do it. Fuck it, let's do it. We're going to do a double header. So next week, uh, there's Beijing on Monday. So we will not be doing the podcast next Monday. We will be doing a Game Changer episode on the 17th, which is Tuesday at 3 p.m., same start time. Now, there, what we're going to be discussing is uh, embracing the online era. I think we're going to cover that from a lot of different angles to do with like rule sets, to do with the how coaches interact online, to do with teams in six-man online, how that can all kind of function, different formats for online, knowing now that we don't have to travel and all that stuff, we'll dive into that. Uh, and I think anything else within the the hemisphere of online cs because i feel like we're going to be stuck here for some time guys from broadcast perspectives what more can we offer what's harder to do what's easier to do um that's gonna be me striker and prof it'll just be the three of us on the 17th unless we can find a guest that we feel fits that that won't be a player but i said a double header so on the 18th we're gonna have a show with a player that player is already locked on in um and that'll be 3 p.m as well so 18th will be the wednesday so i want you guys to tune in for that one that guest uh, i think a lot of you will like I hope a lot of you will like it. Um, but yeah, that's what we're going to be doing next week. So I've just received um, a, a tweet from Glitch CSGO 1. And uh, he said, this is kind of separate, but talk about burnout and players. But uh, I watched the HTV stream today. Loved it as usual, but you look burnt out. Um, so I guess I need you to... You look burnt out. I, okay. Yeah, apparently. Uh, so I, 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 I think what's happened, uh, Mr. Glitch, is I've not been in the sun or in Malta uh, for 
how many months now? When did I leave? August? What are we in now? I haven't left this hotel. I'm going to be here in Cologne until December. Um, so it's a lifestyle change. There's a lot of gaming. There's a lot of fucking Counter-Strike talk. There's It's just, you know, I lose my tan and then my dark circles come back. And then um, I don't look as healthy. And the gyms are closed here. So that's kind of shit too. Anyway, um, I guess I'll just say Australians don't board well in this weather. Yeah, it needs to be sunny. It needs to be sunny. I don't like this. Um, all right. Let's close it down. It's been a good one. This has been episode 14. Uh, this is season yeah. five, HLTV confirmed. Uh, we've been ourselves. So thank you again to Prof Striker and Lucas for all being here and putting on another show. Uh, thank you for Cadian who did join us. We had to let him go play uh, a scrim, but that was a, a great little chat there. And if you guys want, I think we're doing the rerun tonight at 8 p.m. in case you've just caught the tail end. Uh, so 8 p.m. tonight uh, on this same channel. We'll also release uh, the VOD on YouTube as well as the audio-only options if you like on Spotify, your Apple Podcast, head over to anchor.fm slash HLTV. You've got all your options there once it gets uploaded. Uh, and yeah, that's going to be it. Tune in next week, Tuesday and Wednesday, next week, 17th and 18th, 3 p.m. both days. That's 1500 CET. And uh, that's the show. So be nice to your mum.